welcome to the Game Week 10 Net That Whole Compass show. Um, I'm FPL Nemo and I'm joined by my co-host and fellow fantasy football hub writer, Hibbo. How are you, buddy? Casually lit as always. Um, I'm on a bit of a green arrow run, as you know, at the minute. I think I'm up to maybe eight consecutive green arrows after my start. I know we're going we're gonna to get on their teams later, but just to run the viewers through the agenda for tonight's stream, we're going to look at teams for Game Week 9. We're going to look at our possible transfers going forward to Game Week 10. We'll review Game Week 9, the matches and the players and stats themselves. We're going to look at your transfer trends and we're going to answer questions from both kind of Twitter and live Q&A. So before we then go into the agenda, I just want to get a bit of housekeeping out of the way first. So lots of new, view, new viewers <laughs> here tonight. Cat's got the tongue. Um, thanks for waiting and your patience. Sorry for the delay. We had a bit of technical issues and had to move the stream from Monday to Tuesday. But next week, we'll have a Halloween stream for you on the 1st of November. So have a little look at our YouTube subscribers. We're on 1,481. We're 19 away now from the Ali G. So I'd love it if you guys can help make it happen this week when we put the VOD out. And for the podcast listeners, come and um, help us get there. But um, 19 more subs on YouTube. And so any new viewers, please do hit like, hit subscribe if you're new to the channel tonight and you enjoy the show. But I'll let you go through the mini league here, before we go into the game week reviews. Yeah, so just to get the ball rolling, the mini league code, it's FT1XMB, as you can see on the screen. So number one in the mini league at the minute is Dave Paxton from Twitter, and he's on 704 points. And he's currently 20th in overall rank, so he's, he's well-placed to do well now. So in terms of audio-only format, we're also, anywhere you can get your podcast, we're also available. And if you pick us up on Apple, a five-star review is much appreciated because it can help us grow a bit as well. For anybody watching on VOD, if you have any kind of specific questions about your team going into Game Week 10, drop us a comment and we'll definitely repre- reply before we're, with the deadline passes for Game Week 10. So now we're just going to get on their teams for game week nine, and we'll go for overall rank before beauty. And we'll start with we'll start with you, Nima Wally. Yeah, I'm happy to go through my team. So um, I guess I've got and gangsters Allardyce, as I've said. I've seen the world number one has stolen my team name as well. The OR yeah. number one. He has some some South African fellow, and he's also called Gangster Allardyce. But with an E and an R, so proper. That's uh, not it's... the gangster way, but. Um, no. Yeah, that's that's a shame. But anyway, so in game week nine, I had 95 points. Um, it was my first green arrow in four weeks. So I had three red arrows before that. I'd gone from 1K to 13K. Um, I don't even call this a green arrow. This is like a grey. I went from 13 to 12.6. Um, so nothing to write home about. For the podcast listeners, I have uh, Sanchez in goal, Trent, Rudiger, Livermento, and Cancelo in defence. Ben Rama, Rafinha, and Salah captain in midfield. Antonio, Tony, and Vardy vice captain. And then my bench was... Foster, Saka, White, and Brownhill. So, obviously, I'm happy to get the Salah points. I feel very fortunate. Um, I tried to take a minus four before deadline, but as you know, yeah, I was at the Emirates and the signal didn't work, luckily. Um, so, I wasn't able to take my minus four. Um, I was going to cap the Salah either way, but I'm glad I dodged that bullet. Un- unlucky to our fallen soldiers and haulers around us. So, like, in terms of, kind of your transfer plans going forward, I can see, like, you've a couple of yellow flag so you've got Rafinha and Vardy I think we're both waiting on news for them you've got one free transfer you've got 3.4 million on the bank you've also got your wild card so you know what way are you looking at playing this now going on the game week 10 just the update people Ben White's also picked up an injury I think in the Carabao Cup so you're maybe up to three flags now 
Yeah, and you know, Cancelo could be benched any time. I'm feeling as well, so you never know with him. But uh, <laughs> that, that, that aside, I have actually already sold Ben Rama. I actually sold him on Saturday night to catch the Foden price rise. Right. Um, yeah, and I and I obviously was really worried Ben Rama wouldn't drop in price, but in the end, he eventually dropped in price after three nights of being close. So I got the 0.2 swing. I I don't really move early normally, so that's very early for me. Um, I'll play Livramento over Rafinha, so I was always willing to bench Rafinha this week. Um, White was my sub for Vardy if Vardy didn't play. So I think pending news that Vardy's starting or not, I would be willing to take a minus four to sell Vardy. Um, So I'm sure we'll go on to positions today in the transfers and I'll show you which strikers I've got my eye on. But I'm not really willing to play Brownhill, I would say. So I would probably take that minus four at this stage and maintain the wild card. Um, I'm still going to keep that, I think, till like game week 14, 15. So what way is your boss team sitting there at the moment? Yeah, so I've got the Salah captain, but... um, it's essentially set up with Livramento first on the bench for Rafinha. And then um, White is second on the bench. I've got Saka against Leicester, which I'm looking forward to. Because I bought him in for four weeks. And obviously, when he got the zero points, and then um, he kind of was on my bench this week, as you can see, for two points. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really happy. That's not what I wanted. And I didn't want to sell him for Foden. So I sold uh, Ben Rama because um, it's something you told me, right? I got Ben Rama at six million. And mm. I said to myself, would I buy him for 6.6 million? And I wouldn't. Mm. So because of that, purely, I wanted to bank that 6.3 million profit, get out of there, get to Foden. And I think the real story is, just to summarize and end it all, is I was very upset because I wanted Foden two weeks ago before the six-pointer and the 18-pointer. And my Saka one got obviously two and... Uh, <laughs> z- sorry, zero and two on the bench. So... I'm gutted. I feel like I'm 24 behind where I could have been. And that was because I wasn't aggressive. So it was last international break and Greenwood was dropping in price. And I didn't make that move early enough. And I got priced out of Foden. And that was my number one target. Then I went to Torres. Torres got injured and then I went to Saka. So uh-huh. I also missed the Smith Rowe points. So this is what I mean. Like, it's very crazy how overall this game, like you will always just do moves and then your rank just won't go the way you were hoping for. It was optimistic as you were. But I'm trying to now be a bit more patient in that regard, like hold Saka for the Leicester away because then it's Watford home the next game. Yeah. And then after, after Liverpool, there's also Newcastle home. So I'm just willing to kind of hold him and play him. And I think next week, if Rafinha is still out, my game week 11 transfer will be Rafinha to Mabuemo as well. So mm-hmm. that'll be for the Norwich game. So I kind of avoid that double burn for the attack this week. Uh, he's also injured at the moment. He's a, he's a bit of an injury concern for myself, like you know. But like a, a quick question I have for you in relation kind of to your wild card. Do you think the value of your wild card is potentially kind of depreciating? Now this isn't like a criticism. This is a question. Do you think it's potentially depreciating as the weeks go by? Because like if you could play it, do you think there's a chance that you could maybe get closer to the best possible team rather than use transfers? Wait, like what? What do you think of that? So, so I think for me, that, that is true. But I think I've already missed that point because I feel like the transfers and the prices are not as volatile now. And once the third international break goes, even more managers will give up. So I think the latest was there was like 1 million managers, they were saying. Like, I think it was about 20% of the game weren't playing anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking, okay, I'll wait it out. I've caught a few of the price rises. I'm willing to take some hits as well. So... I think for me, I'm looking at stuff like Rashford and keeping my eye on players that like right now aren't on the radar and mm-hmm. hoping that come game week 14 when the fixture swings happen for United, 
if Ole is gone and there's a new manager and Rashford looks great and maybe I want Ronaldo with him, maybe it's Bruno I want, maybe I don't even want Ronaldo, maybe I'll take a mid. What I won't take, I'll tell you from now, though, is a United defender again. You can quote me on that for this season. I'm done, I'm good. Well, I think one thing that you're doing that I think... I think the guy who won it last year, uh, Michael Kuhn, he played it both his wildcards quite close together. So there was very little gap between his wildcard one and wildcard two. So is that a strategy you're kind of actively working towards or is it just a case that you don't feel your team needs it? Yeah, so I would say for me, I would not use the second one till about game week 35 I'm looking at when the like right. big doubles will be. And I think there's already like, going to be a blank in like 31, as Ben Krillin has said, like... Yeah. And that's going to be based on, I think, the FA Cup. I think it's quarterfinals. And essentially, there could be up to like eight Premier League teams not playing that week. So there will be a big double following for that. And I think I will want to keep my wild card for a bench boost and maybe a free hit for one of those doubles or the corresponding blank. So yeah. really, I see this wild card here is, you're right, it's a completely separate chip. It can be played outside of the strategies with combining with other chips and it was maybe better to play it in earlier seasons in like game week four game week eight game week 12 around each international break to catch the price rises but i don't think that happens anymore plus no. we're all talking about a one premium strategy where it's Salah perma captain and i'm thinking i don't I, I don't have problems with my money like i can get such great assets now i can get like a foden obviously i've got but i was saying i get like a bomb yang as well for vardy and i, I back that pick for temporary or jesus someone like that yeah, so there's, there's think, options. There is options. I think the permanent or the permacap and something will definitely touch on kind of later on on the show, like. But um, but yeah, let's take us through your um, I guess yeah, as well because it's one is it one week after wildcard, so it's now been two weeks since you wildcarded. Yeah, if you just flick it up on the screen and I'll just run through it for people. So this is this is my team from game week nine. So I had 105 points. So I think it was my second ton of the season, and I moved up from about 59k to about. Just on say twenty two k. So for the for the benefit of the podcast listeners, at Ramsdale and goal, not happy with him. I've Trent Alexander, Diaz, James, Cancelo at the back, Buemo, Rafinha, Foden, Salah, Tony, Antonio and Vardy up front, and then I have Foster, Lovramento, Armstrong, and Brownhill on the bench. Now, in terms of my transfers going on the kind of game week ten, I'm kind of pending news on a few players here. So like. Boemo, Brentford have come out to say he's not going to play League Cup, I think, during the week, but there's a chance he's going to be fit for Saturday. He has Norwich in game week 11, so I would never be moving him out now ahead of game week 11, if you know what I mean. I would be happy enough to use my bench and absorb him. Um, Rafinha has kind of tweeted or put an Instagram post up to say that things are good, but he was noted as like leaving Ellen Road on like a protective boot and crutches, so... We're still waiting word to see the extent of his injury. And Vardy was apparently injured before kickoff, but he played anyway. I think he touched the ball six times. I don't know why he played if he was injured in the first place, but he was withdrawn at half time. So these are all kind of watch and sees. But I'm in a position, I think, at the minute where I kind of have like a flexible team structure and the fact that I have four defenders, I've got four midfielders, and I have three strikers. Well, I should have three strikers, but I have Armstrong. And kind of the first thought in my head is I could move kind of even Tony on this week for maybe Armstrong or maybe Vardy. That's kind of where I'm sitting at the minute. But ideally, where I want to go with my team is, and I know we're going to touch on it later, is we're talking about this Salah permacaptaincy. He's a standout pick maybe right up until New Year. I'm not sure I want to be backing against him too much. 
And if that's the case, I think my price points are about right in the terms of Vardy's about, say, 10.7 million. But I would rather have Son. So I'm kind of looking to work towards if I could get Tony into the front line and maybe get Son into the midfield and having a certain amount of flexibility where I could back these kind of upside players, like, say, like maybe the Chilwells of the world or even like your Cancelos, who may eat the bench the all time, but you might have Leveramento, who's a very good sub. Buemo's a very good sub. Bro has somebody that I'm looking at now. I kind of discounted him last week, but he scored again, and he's definitely on the radar now at 5 million. He's fresh because he didn't play against Chelsea tonight. So that's where I am. The Green Arrow runs eight weeks. I'm looking to make it nine. I'm looking. I'm not far off the top 10K. I think I'm 10 points off top 10K now at the minute, and that would obviously be a big target going into the season. So if I can get up and get on that pack and kind of stay in the pack, brilliant. I've been very happy with my run. I know... I know yourself and Marner, you've kind of been a wee bit disappointed, but I kind of think, up out of context, he's both started very, very well. And like where you are sitting now in terms of your rank, I think it's absolutely brilliant after kind of nine, ten weeks. So I think we'll kick on here now going forward. So no, very patient with my lineup, and it's going to be a kind of Friday transfer for me. Very happy that Foden kind of worked out. So we'll see. And maybe Armstrong to Tony or Vardy to Tony's kind of first instinct, really. No, I like those moves. I think I find it interesting with um, Armstrong because it does really look like he is probably worth a sell soon enough, um, even though the fixtures are good for Southampton. Um, what do you think about, um, I know you've mentioned kind of a couple of the strikers, but what are your thoughts on doubling up with Tony and Mabuemo? Like, Because my feeling is that this next game they play is not actually that great. Is it Burnley? I don't think it's that great. And with Mabuemo out, I had a look, and I think Tony, most of the chances he creates, they are for Mabuemo. So I'm a Tony owner, and I'm a bit disappointed. And like, obviously, I've delayed my pick of Mabuemo by a week. That's why I've gone to Foden, because I feel like that's a bigger issue for me to plug. So what would you say to people who don't have double Brentford attack? And is it like okay to wait till game week 11 when they face Norwich, do you reckon? Or I is it okay to just dodge the second one altogether? Like, what's your opinion? I think he could do both. I think he could dodge a double up. I think the preferable one is maybe Tony, but like to be honest with you, Tony isn't producing much in terms of goal threat. He's not producing much in terms of AXG, but the fact that he creates quite a lot of chances, he does create those chances for Buemo. He does have that, usually that kind of dual age threat, and he does have the pens. So like normally I would say it's great, but the fact that Buemo's going to miss out maybe miss out this weekend. I'm wondering if maybe Brentford are going to maybe change the style of play and you might see Tony more involved and around That'd the box. incredibly good I, news. I, I think it's possible because like I've seen a bit of thread analysis where like, I would love to know Gabe's opinion on this. I've seen a bit of thread analysis where people are saying, oh, well, like so far, like they've basically dovetailed and worked in kind of tandem with each other, which is obvious because they've been playing together. But maybe Thomas Frank's going to have to do something different and maybe it's going to involve Tony being more involved and around the box and maybe him being more of a goal threat than Buemo. So I think it's a wait and see. But for me, I wouldn't be afraid to double it because if Buemo's maybe going to miss out this week, I don't really care. And if Norwich is coming up, I'm going to raid the good fixtures. But I think a key part of my team at the minute is having that kind of flexibility where you could bench somebody. And it could be the case of I bench Buemo, like you know, so I, I'm I'm not afraid to drop one of them out, and the chances are I would I would I would maybe have Buemo nearly as my first or second sub because I'm going to get to the stage where I'm going to have at least two good subs I think for this team. You're going to have bench points. You're going to have disappointment in that context, but I think if I'm going down this route of 
playing Cancelo who could muss out or moving towards like a Chilwell or even the like a Reece James who, who maybe could muss out a game. I'm maybe going to start to see a few of these bench points coming on the play. So it's not something I'm afraid of. I like that. So you, you're not put off by kind of leaving points on the bench and making the wrong benching decision. You'd rather just spread those Salah funds now that we don't necessarily need Ronaldo or Lukaku potentially in our teams. And KDB, like I know people have gone for him and I'm sure we'll talk about that later too. But, you know, none of the premiums have really been doing it. Mane got his rest. Like it is really been Salah or bust. So I, I don't know if I could captain anyone else. I'd maybe captain Kane or Son. Like I think it was game week 12 and 15, but that's about far and few in between between now and the new year, as you say. So I'm looking to reinvest my funds too. Um, I wonder who I'll upgrade next. Because even though I've done the big upgrade from um, Ben Robert to Foden, I still have a lot of money in the bank, I think. Like at least a couple million. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just crazy. I don't know what to do with all that money. I saw someone with five million in the bank on Twitter. So I think Praz has, Praz has five million on the bank. It's I, th- <laughs> I, th- I think he's able to upgrade Brownholding maybe some. Is that much money in the bank? So, oh, that is hilarious. What to change to like a three-five-two from a three-four-three? Oh, wow, that is incredible. Okay, so just before we go into the game week review, I thought let's say hi to some of the viewers because there's now yeah. nearly thirty people who've come onto the live stream. So, we'll just give a little shout out to everyone who said hi so far. And sorry to the podcast listeners, I'm sure you can skip ahead like at least two thirty-second snips. So, Robert Ducky was first, actually. So, that's good to see you, mate. Squeak, squeak, as I found out. Um, <laughs> Did you know that the king is the king of spaces? He's he's like the most popular yes. guy at the moment. The spaces, it's it's incredible. I know. I see him there, and he's running the show. But um, hopefully, we'll get to all meet at this North versus South tournament next year. That's happening. Would be nice. I'm not. I don't think I'm going to be able to make it myself, but it sounds good. Yeah, it should be now. I think it's an 11 aside match as well, so followed by a party. But um, Ray has checked in as well from the Emirates Stadium, so he said hi. We've got Andy Martin, obviously, friend of the show's or tactician. We've got Ramanathan, uh, we've got Blue Danube guy, Sam Whitworm. We also have uh, Jones Bloke, we have Flower Pot Man, Hodafi. So we've been asking about this. We just want to double check is it Hodafi or? Hodorafi, or can you please let us know after? I ask every show. But <laughs> do you know here, Bo? I think he should send one of these MP4 videos. Doing a pronunciation, which would be good. Yeah, guys do that, actually. So I think for Mariner's matchup show with Lens, they're doing um, MP4 submissions on the net, that hall at gmail.com email. Um, so anyone wants their question answered from Gabe as well, especially on the tactical and scouting side, do drop in a video to the email. Hi, Blue Knicks. I'll just quickly get through this for the rest of the match reviews. Uh, Capital FPL, good to see you, mate. Akib's here as well. Obviously, we've heard about Raya is also out for five months. Uh, speaking of injuries, Hibbo, so that, that's a painful one. We'll talk about that one tonight. Um, what else have we got here? We've got Oscar Arias. Nice to see you. FPL Penguin as well, who was holding a kick-off spaces. We've got Dagger FC. Javid Khan himself is here as well. Got a lot of friends of the show, so nice to see everyone. Um, just wow, we, we've missed a lot of chat. I'm just catching up, guys. Sorry, we will we'll keep it up to date from now on and put on your questions on the screen. But we just have to get through our game week reviews first. So he says yes, Gabe. Okay, they're sending the MP4. Amazing. So yeah, please do let us know how to pronounce it as well. Um, and just finally, Tom Stevenson as well. Hey, mate, good to see you. Let's uh, go into the game week reviews then. I think. Um, is there anything else you wanted to say? But is there any people you want to give a shout out to that I missed? No, no. I think he, I think he covered everybody. I think we'll we'll get stuck on the game week reviews here now. So let's go for it. 
Okay, so we'll get the ball rolling with it was it was Saturday's early kickoff, so it was Chelsea against Norwich. So Chelsea won seven goals to nil, and in terms of XG, Chelsea had two point nine six, and Norwich had zero point two four. So it was three goals from Mason Mount, Chilwell got one, Hudson Odoi and James Kovacic with two assists, Jorginho, Rudiger, Loftus Cheek, Mount, and also Hudson Odoi. So this was an absolute demolition job by Chelsea. It was obviously very predictable in terms of fixture looking under the game week. You know, it was a fixture that, that fantasy managers were tar- targeting. Now, top of the shop, obviously, was, was Mason Mount. He had a hat-trick and assist, and his 24-point haul, he more than doubled his tally for the season. So, in terms of his stats for the day, he had five shots. Four of them were on target. He had an XG of 1.49. He created three chances, and he had an expected assist of 0.61. So, we knew going under the fixture that both Lukaku and Werner were injured and Thomas Tuchel was going to play Havertz out of position up top. So it was about a mouth-watering prospect for FPL managers, but unfortunately only scored three points. And I think every starting, every Chelsea starter basically outscored Havertz. So I feel a wee bit for Havertz, people that gambled in that. It didn't work out for them. I'm going to touch on it now shortly because there was a lot of hindsight posting, but... In terms of Aspilicueta, he stayed on the bench. Marner wasn't happy about that, obviously. Now, Ben Chilwell, he enjoyed a 12-point haul thanks to his third straight goal. So in terms of Chilwell, so since his first start of the season in game week seven, Chilwell, he's been attacking base, so he's been top of the charge for goals with three, shots with seven, attempts on target with five, and he's managed the third best four key passes amongst defenders. So it's worth noting that Norwich are absolutely terrible. And Chelsea are now going to face Newcastle and Burnley coming up in the AEB. Now, I want to kind of bring you in here at this point. So there was a lot of kind of hindsight posting on Twitter. So within the community, there was a bit of a divide. So there were people hindsight posting saying that Havertz didn't really have the form going into it. Um, His minutes were a doubt and stuff like that. Then there were people calling out the hindsight posters saying, you know, please stop, please, please, please stop hindsight posting and stuff like that. Now, what I think is, personally, I feel like it dodged the bullet. I know you tried to buy Havertz at the very last minute. Now, I feel like it dodged the bullet because I messaged you guys on WhatsApp and basically said, I'm very I'm very nervous about not having Havertz here. It was a fixture play. If Lukaku had been fit, I would have kept Lukaku over Salah. Now, we don't really know how that would have went because, obviously, Salah hacked up as well. But, like, I think the hindsight posting, I think it's very, very wide of the mark, and I think... It was genuinely a fixture that was worth attacking. And when you look at the hole that Mount produced, it could very easily on a different day have been Havertz that produced that hole. So I respect the people that went for it. It was ballsy to go for it. It didn't work out for them, unfortunately. And you would have thought in paper that Salah away to United was going to be a fixture that you maybe potentially could have taken him on. Now, those people maybe learned about a lesson. So like, where do you stand with the hindsight debate that's opposed on Twitter? Yeah, no, I think it got really toxic. Like, obviously, a lot of people had to step back and just take care of their mental well-being first and foremost, which I think is the most important thing. So, obviously, like, we're here to support any of the haulers as well. And if anyone wants to chat, like, our DMs are open to you. So, let us know if you're struggling. You don't need to suffer alone without your mates. Now, the key thing I would say is I think a lot of people, like, obviously, tone can't be read in written messages. And I think people try to, like, say stuff that's topical or be funny, and they don't really mean in certain ways and what can happen in the community a lot of the time is someone will say something to stir up reactions but then they'll kind of double down and be like i didn't mean it or i was just joking it's just banter and if you question them then they'll kind of say like potentially like you're cyberbullying me and stuff and 
uh, you know, I'm going to quit for a few days. And, and I'm not saying that's what people who quit have done, but I see a lot of that happening. So I think um, you got to worry about people's feelings because there is a human at the end of each account and you don't know how they're going to take it either. So when everyone's kind of trolling each other, like obviously like I will laugh at my friends. So in a group of my mates, I will laugh so hard at them that they bought in Havertz and captain them. I will, like even amongst you guys, I would rip into you. Like I would, I would be like, fuck you. Ha ha ha. But that's because I know you're not going to take it personal. But on Twitter, you don't know how someone's going to react to anything you say no. because half the time, like it's not a voice note. Like you don't really know how someone meant something. And maybe that's why spaces have been so good because everyone's going to chat to each other more. And I guess we'll be seeing a lot more of people there as well soon under the net, that whole brand, I'm sure. But that's yeah. been kept hush hush. I kind of think it's like we in pre-season we talked about like how how would you avoid the noise and like for me like now the kind of game week nine is kind of come to a close and like people are basically in effect kind of friend the cold race by saying oh well this was a bad decision because you know they're, they're, then people are justifying their decisions like for me I just think it's just noise and I just kind of look at this point the game week ten and say look I just want to think about the fixture or the transfer that I want to make going forward and we're not going to worry so much about. Was this a good move or was this a bad move? What I'm going to say is the move for Havertz, I think, on paper was a good move. I think the opportunity was there. And I think these hindsight merchants that are kind of coming out of the woodwork, they criticise it. If they don't really understand the merit in the move, I don't worry about people like that because that, like that's the, that is the topical fixture play. And as I say, if Lukaku had been fat this week, I would have kept him. No doubt in my mind. And it might not work out for me. Because Salah obviously did work out, but we're seeing. I think I'm a bit gutted on that front because I was pretty set on captaining Salah even before the Dukaku news. Exactly, exactly. So I'm a bit annoyed because I feel like that kind of just destroyed that one week where I could have really, like, I could have really flown. And I didn't have Lukaku yet at the time, if you remember. So when he got the injury, I just didn't transfer him in. But um, yeah, it was disappointing. I only had Salah at that time and Ronaldo, and I was going to captain Salah. There would have been a much bigger percentage split, obviously, in the captaincy if Lukaku had been fit, and there would have been a bigger opportunity for, like, you think yourself for, like, Salah captainers to get ahead, but for me, I would have thought, looking at the result and how the game panned out, I would have fancied being on Lukaku, and I was very keen during the week, but just to touch on your boys, really, from Friday night, now, I don't have a slide specific for this, so I'll just run through it fairly quick. So, Arsenal won three goals. They won against Villa. The XG was 2.57 for Arsenal and 1.43 for Villa, so it was a relatively comfortable one, uh, making it six games unbeaten now for Mikel Arteta. So, during this run, Aubameyang's been your most consistent performer. He's produced four goals and an assist. Um, a six-point hole against Villa was marred, obviously, by the penalty miss, where he then scored the rebound. But since game week four, he's riding high for shots with 19 big chances, four. And among strikers, he also has eight key passes, which is which is noteworthy because he also has that kind of creative threat. The star of the show was Smith Rowe, obviously, so he's he's played a part in all your nine games so far. But he's blanked with seven of them, and in the other two, he's produced double-figure holes. So 12 against Spurs and 13 points against Villa. Now, Villa have shipped eight goals and three defeats now since game week six, which isn't great. Their top point scorer for the season so far is Emmy Martinez. So the, the penalty saving Friday night boosted his point total a wee bit. But I think it's safe to say that kind of Villa options aren't really on the radar for us at the minute. Um, we, we did speak about Obama Yang a few weeks back about his kind of move to kind of play in a more kind of central role. And you're on mute at the minute, pal. 
Yeah, yeah, I've, I've been keeping an eye on him. And again, I feel like this whole Lukaku and now Vardy injury and Kane not looking great yet is really shifting people towards players that they weren't going for before. Like yeah. suddenly Jesus and Aubameyang, people are looking at them. And it, again, it's a bit annoying because I feel like the template is going to change. But I'm trying to figure out, as you were saying earlier, whether I need to wild card into something like into a Spurs team or wild card out of it. Yeah. So I was thinking to get Sun. Those are my next two moves, to be honest with you. So something like a Vardy to Oba, that would free up money as well that would help me with that. So I could like sell Saka, I think, in game week 12 when he's playing Liverpool and when Sun is playing um, his better fixture. So when, what, what week's this, Shai? Game week 12 when the prime... Leeds? Yeah, Sean Leeds. That's it, Sun against Leeds, yeah. So I could do Saka, who's at Liverpool, to Sun against Leeds that week. With the okay. money, I could free up from Vardy. So, if Vardy is genuinely out for a while, I think that would be my move. I'd look at Vardy to Oba, but I would go cheaper too. I like Wang, um, I like Wilson, I like Edward. They're all on my list. So, I'm looking at like, the next uh, bandwagon. I want to get on someone before they score all their points. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm I just, missed that with certain assets. I'm just going to pop a quick uh, quote up on the screen from Blue Nick from Twitter. So he's basically saying that Biel- he spelled it wrong in the first uh, comment, but he spelled it right in the second. So he's yes. basically saying Bielsa has says that Rafinha should be good to go this week. So that's going to be a wait and see if he's if he's fat. That's good for you. It's good. It's good for the community. But what I will say is Rafinha's a wee bit elephant in the room because I know he's had problems with injury and I know he was away with Brazil and stuff like that. But he's got that ex lively and on the day we know what he can do. But Whenever I'm talking about this kind of permacap myself, and we will touch on it later on the show, what I what I what is possible with the money is I could nearly turn somebody like Rafinha and the Jada. And when you're looking at the numbers that like somebody like Jada puts up, it's it's pretty appealing, you know. But if you just want to hit the next slide for me, I'll just run through you now. You yeah, you're, so you're not really. I guess it's perfect transition because we had Mount on the screen just a second ago, and look who's arrived suddenly next to him. This is it, follow your boots. So I'm just going to touch on kind of Brighton against Man City. So Brighton won 4-1. In terms of XG, Brighton had a 1.26 and Man City had a 3.20. So goals, Foden got two. Gundogan with one, Mares with one. Grealish, Bernardo, Jesus and Foden with a sus. And McAllister scored from the spot. So Ederson had a rush of blood to the head, conceded a late penalty and bust my double clean sheet. So... Not, not not feeling good about Ederson at the minute. So, look, despite three clean sheets in their last five, Brighton went, they went on three down at half time. Foden was tormentor in chief, so he finished the match with an 18-point haul. It involved two goals and an assist and maximum bonus. So then England international is the seventh highest owned player in Pep Guardiola's squad, but he's produced returns now in three consecutive matches and he leads away among all players for shots on Saturday on eight. So in terms of his stats... He had eight shots in the box, four of them were on target. He had an XG of 1.37. He created two chances and he had an expected assist of 0.77. Now, yeah, I watched this game and people are talking about his deployment for Man City and some are maybe calling it false nine. I watched the match. He was playing right through the middle. I would say he was... I was I he's say, not a false nine, is he? I saw Pep's... He's not a false nine. The game. He, no. said, um, he said he's not a false nine. What he can do is like get him behind the line and he's basically a striker. That's what he was saying. I thought it was interesting because a lot of the match kind of I thought Man City played in the break so they were kind of soaking up a bit of pressure and they were breaking kind of on the left with Grealish and very very fast and one of the breaks where Foden scored from Grealish broke on the left and Foden just committed with absolute pace broke right down the middle and I didn't see any of that kind of so much false 
nine where he was getting the ball and kind of dragging himself out on the midfield to create space for other people. I saw every time he was just going for goal and he was going straight down the throat. So, like you're talking about game week 10, Palace are going to rock up at the Etihad. So it's going to be tempting for managers, obviously, to kind of get on the Man City assets. But I think where many of us are in terms of Man City assets, we like the defence. I've got the double defence and I've got Foden. Now, as you've said about, say, the Bruyne, it seems like a step too far in terms of the budget, and he just kind of squeezes your budget up. When we're talking about you could have Salah and spread the funds, Foden's offering so much at the minute. And I wrote a thread about Man City a few weeks back, and what I actually says was, with Ferran Torres out of the side, I felt that it was going to benefit Foden, and I felt that Foden was maybe going to play through the middle. Some guy replied to me, thread, and was like completely critical, and he was all like, I, I don't know why you think that this is suddenly going to boost his chances. It's turned out to be right. Now, one player that's flying on the radar is Gabriel Jesus. So he had an assist on Saturday, and it was his third straight return. So it's moved him up to third in the striker standings. But we've spoken about Man City, and many of us can have the double defence axis and, say, Foden. So there's probably no room for Jesus, despite his good form. So what do you think about Man City? I like Jesus. Um, I've got Cancelo. I don't think I'd go for Diaz. Um... I have Diaz. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to avoid the double defence from either Chelsea or City. I feel like I, I like to kind of put all my eggs in different baskets as well. And I know there's value, but I treat it like a bench and I don't want a really heavy defence. So I've already got Trent, uh, Rudiger and Cancelo. And that's that's quite a lot for me, money-wise. Um, obviously, I have a cheap keeper in Sanchez and then I have kind of White and Livermento. So White could be like a Diaz or a Reese James, you know, Chilwell. Um but it just feels like I'm going to be putting that money into there. And I'd only want to do that maybe when I wildcard eventually or a bit later on. Right mm. now, I'm trying to prioritize all my transfers on my attacking players. So like last week, one of the reasons I was hesitant and the reason I didn't end up doing Ben Rama to um, another player to have Ertz for a minus four was solely because I kept thinking to myself, if I do that, then I have to bench, um, you know, Livramento. And at mm. the time, I was looking to start Livramento. I couldn't believe the ownership of Leveramento in the Hub Contributors League because when when Leveramento scored, like my rank crashed in that league, and I was like, my God, like every everybody's playing Leveramento when I have him on the bench, and we'll touch on him now later. But like he's such a playable option at the minute. But for me, it kind of sits in that kind of on my squad. It kind of sits as like my fifth defender still. Now, like part of me kind of thought. Could I bring like a defender like maybe James or Diaz down to kind of like a budget and like spend the cash elsewhere? But I don't even need the cash at the minute because we're talking about this kind of pyramid captain. So I don't know like where I'm sitting with Diaz is I could possibly chase Diaz to Chilwell is what I'm thinking because Chilwell is either scoring double digits or he's not playing and he's not substituting on. So I kind of think if I'm going to go down the route of maybe having Buemo and maybe Broha or something like that, I think. Diaz to Chilwell is kind of like a sexy move. Now, that does sound really good, actually. So I think, yeah, I think one defender, like the Cancelo, I would have as a priority, I think. And then, as you say, maybe like Foden. Some people have talked about Bernardo Silva, by the way, um, as an alternative, or Gundogan as an alternative to Foden. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I would go for either of them, to be honest, personally. And Jesus, I like, but he takes up a striker spot, and I think there is other value there. Bernardo's kind of making these kind of runs that I think that Gundogan was making last year. Do you know, in the last couple of matches that I've seen him play, he's he's getting under the box quite a lot in terms like of the 6.9 million. 
he is the, it, 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 the the only the only thing that would sway you away from it is the slot and whether he can kind of maintain returns and stuff like that, you know. But I don't know. Like I would probably, as you say, like Cancelo folding and see like you could maybe have a slot for him. But I want to just touch on kind of Everton. I don't have a specific slide for them. So Everton Watford was Everton two Watford five, and in terms of XG, it was one point eight one to Everton and three point one one to Watford. So goals Everton. Tom Davies and Richarlison assist for Keenan Gray. And Watford, Josh King got a hat-trick. Dennis got a goal. Kuka got a goal. Dennis had two assists. Cathcart, Pedro and Kuchu. So Ranieri's men went a goal down early at Goodison Park and they were trailing 2-1 with 12 minutes on the clock. Josh King completed the hat-trick. Emmanuel Dennis squeezed a goal and two assists and 12 points from the last kind of 26 minutes off the bench. Dennis received a fifth yellow card, so any of his owners, he's going to miss the next match against Southampton. Ismail Lassar, he blanked for a third straight game, and he was also substituted out. So, like, previously, he had kind of been like a 90-minute type man. Is that going to be the case going forward? Is he going to be the same kind of talisman under Ranieri? Remains to be seen. So, in terms of Everton, so they obviously, they, they brought Richardson back. He came off the bench, and he scored the second goal. I've been chatting on Twitter. The I don't know if you know him, General Zod. He's um he's an Everton season ticket holder. So Zod has basically said to me he's quite concerned about Everton because he thinks the spine of their team at the minute is missing. So you're talking about the Curry obviously broke a bone in his foot. They're missing the presence of DCL up front, who's obviously very good at holding up the ball. And Yeri Mina in defence. He sent me a clip of their kind of the, the, their positions on the field, and everybody was basically ball watching and following the ball. And he thinks defensively they're going to be wide open, and they're going to have a difficult month because they've got Wolves, Spurs, Man City, and Brentford, and Liverpool next in their in their next one, two, three, four, five in the league. So um, it could be worth watching that, you know, because Everton could maybe take a bit of trumming every now and again. I think I like that. Um, who's playing them this week? Uh, Wolves. Okay. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, if I had Huang or Jimenez, I'd Jimenez is Jimenez is very popular, like you know. So, like I think that I think Zod made a great great point about the spine of the team. So it was interesting to hear that. Um, I'm just going to touch on the next match now. It's going to be Southampton against Burnley. If you want to just flick the wee, we've got in the graphic obviously Liverpool is a bit of a hero. So it was Southampton two, Burnley two. So in terms of the XG, one point. 8-0 to Southampton and 0.64 to Burnley. Um, goals for Lavermento and Broha, Redmond and Diallo with the assists. And Cornet got two goals, Westwood and Luton with the assists. So Lavermento is 4.4 million. He's made it three consecutive returns with a goal against uh, Burnley. He's now delivered either a clean sheet or an attacking points in five of his last six. And he's got a decent enough run of fixtures going right until kind of early December. So I think he's a perfect kind of fifth defender. Some people could maybe even promote him to fourth if if they felt they needed the cash. So, Bro has made it two goals from his last two starts. He was was withdrawn with a bit of an ankle injury, which makes him a doubt for a trip to Watford. He didn't play against Chelsea in the cup tonight because he can't because of the parent club and he's on loan. So, just in case anybody doesn't know that, Burnley obviously lacked bite up front, which they always lack bite up front. They've managed just seven goals in nine matches. And it's the league's second worst total. Now, three of those goals have been scored by this guy, Maxwell Cornet, from only four appearances and two starts. So, just a touch break. Do you have any comment on the Southampton game? No, I think just with Livramento. So, yeah, like, it's incredible. Like, do you want to... Do you, uh, you yeah, just a run through your stats. Right? So, we're looking at three shots in the box. 
one on target, an XG of 0.52. He created three chances and an XA of 0.22. So what's like what's your take on Livermento? Like are you happy with him as a fifth or would you promote him to a fourth or he is my fifth. I still see him as that, but I, I play him when I can most weeks. So I'd say I don't look at his price. Like I feel like he's performing like a six million um, defender at the moment in terms of consistency. I think in the last six weeks, he's had five returns in five it returns in five of the game weeks. Whether that's kind of, I think it was two or three clean sheets, a goal, two assists, pretty incredible value. I think even if you're getting on now at four point four and you missed the kind of cheaper option, I think he's still worth it as a fifth pick. Or if you can't justify him as a fifth pick, get him as your fourth pick and get someone else at four mil. Yeah. as your fifth pick because I think he's incredible value I had looked at that previously we may be dropping like a defender down making him say fourth and dropping a defender down the same man Quilo and like trying to free up KSI in a way but as I've said now like you know going you forward funds for anything right now, I, don't yeah. th- I, don't, I don't think I need the funds so I don't really need to be kind of making those moves because I think you don't need to be scrapping pennies at the back when you don't need them yet that was for me the same move kind of towards like a hypothetical team where I had like say Salah, Vardy and Son. Now what it would have done is it would have squeezed my bank the nil. And like I kind of think when you squeeze your bank the nil it just completely limits your flexibility going forward. So if somebody gets injured next week you can't move them up. Like you're always having to move them down because you don't have any money in the bank. So no, I think it's better to play it this way with the perma cap which we'll touch on. So yeah, so just, I just want I just want to say like obviously I think it's a cliche at this stage but um it's kind of because people talk about it on all the shows now so i feel like because we've gone on tuesday it's already been covered and i don't want to recover all ground it's just what i want to say so if you think we're missing any vital important stats or any stories it's because it's already been said but the one i want to just say about Livramento is for anyone who doesn't know so any of our other viewers who are not in the twitter community and are watching on just youtube or podcast he was obviously the player of the year in the chelsea academy last season and i think of all the players that they sold he's the only one who's got a buyback clause as well and it's not right. for much either. It's for like double what Southampton pay for Livramento. So it's incredible the right backs they're producing in the Chelsea Academy. Mm. Obviously, you know, they got everyone Reese James, Livramento, Lampsy. Uh, um, so they're all there. And um, Livramento, they've got the buyback rights on. So they don't really do that often, Chelsea, when they set a player. And he was their kind of academy player of the year. So I think with that in mind, if you look at also just final thing I'd say on him, and then I won't repeat stuff that's been discussed this week already on Twitter, is. Um, if you look at the manager, obviously, like I rate Hassan Hussle a lot, and he's kind of putting Kyle Walker Peters, you know, on the opposite wing back role. He's benching him some games. So, for a new guy to come in who's that young and to just mm-hmm. take that mantle and the way he's playing and how far forward he gets, I think you're right. I, I'm scared to bench him any week. So, when I see weeks like this where like Rafinha or Vardy might be out, I'm just thinking, great, that's not a reason to take a hit. That's a reason to play that guy from the bench this week and not skip points. So, I treat but, it like that. But you're, you're making a great point there because, like, you know, people that aren't kind of building that flexibility under their team, like, I'm affect you're nearly playing with an extra man this time. And then when it comes to the deadline and we're waiting on news and say, like, Rafinha or Vardy or whatever. You don't need to be spending transfers. You can just use your squad and you can just use your bench and you can say, well, look, I'll play Livermento this week. I'll play, I'll drop, I'll play Buemo and I'll drop somebody down to the bench for one week to see if they're going to be fit the following week. So I think it's a nice position to be in. I think in the long term, it's going to save you transfers. And I think that's good. It's a well, good I'm not good taking sp- a hit yet, right? So let's see how that goes. But, that's um... great, great, great. Not to be, I kind of think not taking a hat. Like I've taken one hat this season and I, I'm crediting that 
for like my consistency so far because like if you ever look on live FPL, I have it open here at the moment, just out of interest. Like my game week rank was two two hundred and twenty nine thousand, but my game week rank with hats, like I didn't pick a hat, my game week rank was hundred and eighty nine thousand. So like you're constantly gaining that wee bit of rank every week, like by not picking hats. It's nice to kind of see it in visual form, Do you know, because I think loads of people they kind of maybe get caught up with kind of not being patient and maybe trying to work their way towards having the best team as quick as possible. Or maybe they go too early with their transfers and they make a mistake and they have to correct it later in the week. And it's not ideal, but I'm just going to run... Yeah, let's go to the, is it the Leeds match? I'm just going to, yeah, quickly run through Leeds. So it was Leeds 1, Wolves 1. So Leeds had an XG of 1.72. Wolves had an XG of 0.98. So Rafinha returned from injury for the visit. Now he blinked and he left the on road, as we say, in crutches and he had like one of those protective boots on. He posted on social media that it was nothing serious. Now, I know Blue Nick has basically says that Bielsa seems to think he's going to be okay. That's good news going on to Norwich. Now, I know kind of previously this season he's kind of struggled for fitness and he was making maybe around 65, 70 minutes, which I don't really want a player that's going to do that, but we'll give him Norwich and we'll see what happens. Hopefully he plays. So, in the game, Leeds needed a penalty from Drago to earn a point against like a Wolfside that's performed pretty well, I think you'd say, under Bruno Lage. Um Huang scored his third goal in four starts. He was set up by Jimenez, who like they, they have a kind of bit of a Tony Buemo esque kind of partnership going on. And Jimenez has like three assists and a goal over the same period. Um Leeds have decent fixtures to come, Wolves less so, but at the moment, Wolves are like the farm team. And that's that's all I have on that. Now just a touch briefly on Palace against Newcastle. So it was Crystal Palace one, Newcastle one. I think this is amazing. Crystal Palace had an XG of two point four two. Newcastle the next year of 0.62. So, like, I wouldn't be getting ahead of ourselves and thinking the Crystal Palace were going to start investing in their attacking players. I think it shows you how weak Newcastle are. So, and they're, they're obviously a team to target. So, Palace made it four draws in a row with a stalemate, the one each. Vera pay, paired Benteke with Edward, and Benteke scored for a second straight match. Tariq Mitchell provided the assist. Now, Palace have only kept two clean sheets all season. So, in terms of their defenders, there's not really much interest there. Callum Wilson made it two goals and two starts. It might be one day watch if the Magpies finally find a new manager. At the minute, their schedule is kind of difficult. So, if the fixtures are easy and they get a decent gaffer on the hot seat, it might be something worth looking at. But at the minute, I don't think anybody's going to have room for Callum Wilson, if I'm being brutally honest. I'm just looking that our friend um, Johnny Belfast's account's been suspended on Twitter because of a tweet he sent you, Hibo. But he talks about the Lukaku injury and used the monkey covering face emoji. And wow. obviously, like the bots think it's racist. I know it happened to Corf and others. And he sent in an appeal. And damn, man, that sucks. But Twitter are notorious for like having these bots. And Corf, Corf, Corf lost his account. He had maybe. 7,000 followers and he, he lost his he lost his account for the exact same thing. Fuck, that's crazy. And then he, he had to, he obviously had to build up his following where like you know he does these great threads, you know. So um you know the thing about kind of social media in general and Twitter is like they don't want to clamp down on actual real racism. They don't want to like like we saw some we saw like the friends of King somebody like subject him to kind of racial abuse on Twitter there during the week. They don't want to clamp down on this stuff but they want to clamp down and kind of 
remove the emoji. Like if the emoji is going to be problematic, like, like let's like, let's take the emoji out of the way. Like you know, why why is it even an option if you're then going to have a bot pack it up to say, well, this person's been racist? Like you know, that's it's crazy. I just thought I put that out there because I felt so bad. I can empathise with him for that. That's some nut stuff. But um. We'll come back to the live questions soon, and we've got the obviously transfer trends to go. So I'll just get us to speed it along. Um, yeah. Do you want to say anything about Wilson? No, just no, I'm, I'm ready. He's just someone I'm looking at. Yeah, he's someone I am going to look at as a Vardy replacement. If Vardy was out for a while, he, he's an option for me. But I think it's too early to be thinking about that this early on in the week. I'll just touch Ken on say, I think you're a slight ahead of yourself, maybe there, are you? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Brentford, Tony looked like he was wearing the Southampton shirt to me. Yeah, so in this match, so it was Brentford 1, Leicester 2. So Brentford had an XG of 1.06, Leicester had an XG of 0.94. So, like, Vardy was like the Lukaku replacement of choice, and like, it didn't really end well at all. He was bought by maybe 1.3 million, capping by about 700,000. He had no issue in the warm up. He played 45 minutes. He touched the ball six times and he scored one point. So, highly disappointing. We're witnessing kind of, I suppose, a timescale for return to play from Brendan Rodgers at the minute. He seemed to think it was precautionary that he took him off, although I don't think it's really promising when we look at his output in the game. But their immediate schedule isn't brilliant. Like, they do have Arsenal and Chelsea to come now over the next three game weeks. Now, Pats and Daka came on. They provided the assist in their absence. So they do have a lot of depth there that they can tap into. Tillman's scored an absolute cracker, so it was his, he scored for the second straight game, and he has four returns in the last five. James Madison also found the net. So I think it's telling that Rodgers has basically admitted that he thought his players looked tired following kind of the Europa League campaign, so I think that's something to factor into your thinking if you're thinking about getting on board these kind of Leicester players now at the minute. So Tony, he, he, he had the McDewey's third straight blank his upcoming schedule is decent. They've lost Buemo potentially for Saturday. Well, we don't really know yet. It might be okay for Saturday. It's a hamstring, but we, we, we don't know how bad it is. It was unfortunate they have a goal ruled out for offside. It was correctly ruled out for offside, but he did have it in the net. So both Buemo and Panic had issues, and they went off on Sunday. So look, Brentford still look good for investment going forward. They look like a good side. So Tony's numbers were two shots in the box. Both of them were on target. He had an XG of 0.34. He created three chances. And as expected, a SUS was 0.20. So we're nearly there now. Next stop, I don't have a slide for this, but it's West Ham. So West Ham against Spurs was 1-0. 1.42 in the XG to West Ham. 0.63 in the XG to Spurs. Antonio had the goal. Creswell had the assist. Um... Creswell had a body of hole, so he had 12 points, so he had the assist, he had a clean sheet, and he had maximum bonus. Now, what I will say is the Hammers, they have Liverpool and Man City to face now before the end of November, so I think it's a wit and see in kind of their defensive assets. Spurs' assets are kind of, they're, they're very much flavour of the month. They were toothless against West Ham, so between them, they just managed just the two shots, so I think there's, there's an element of kind of, I know we're looking at the fixture run that's coming up, it's definitely targetable, but Spurs haven't been brilliant in attack. What do you think? Like as an Arsenal fan, you'll have something damning to say, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. So I, I am someone who, again, I'm looking to get Sun in, as I said, game week twelve. So I'm still going to do it. Like this hasn't changed anything, and actually, the fact that I'm only going to mainly captain Salah means I'm unlikely to need funds elsewhere. 
um, I would go Kane if in game week 12 or 15, I was going to captain outside of Salah. But I think I will captain Salah those weeks as well, um, which is why I'm going to go for Sun and spend a bit less. I think I think that's a fair point. Like I don't like, and it's something we're, we're going to touch on now. Like when we get the next section, so like if you want to just flick up the next slide for Liverpool, and we'll we'll, we'll have a brief conversation then around kind of pair cap and stuff like that. So this was Liverpool against United. It was an absolute drubbing. So Man United nil, Liverpool five. The XG was one point four nine to United, three point four four to Liverpool. So Salah racked up twenty four points. So he had the hat trick and he had an assist. So even by like his standards, this was just from another world. So he had five shots in the box, four shots in target, an XG of 1.82. He created two chances and he had an XA of 0.64. Within the game, Jada as well recorded his first double digits of the season, so he had a goal and assist. Ronaldo had a goal ruled out for offside. Trent Arnold had the assist, a clean sheet, and one bonus point. So it's at this point I want to kind of talk about kind of the perma captaincy, the bit that's been doing around in the community and in terms of kind of Twitter. So I think a point that's often discussed, I know when say like the hub group and stuff like that, we'll often have a discussion about like hypothetically, if you could change FPL, what kind of changes would you make? And like a, a key thing that I find that people often say is like hypothetically, they say they would take away captaincy. Some people, I know MJ Matthew Jones would say this because they feel at least they kind of say big swings and variants and stuff like that. Now, what I'm going to say is at the minute, Salah is effectively captaincy removed from the game for me. I think he's just a cheat code. And if, we, if we look at over the last nine weeks, he's 107 points, six double-digit returns. He's blinked just once. And if we're looking at his fixtures now, firstly, he's fixture-proof. But if we look at his fixtures from now until New Year, he doesn't play any of last season's top four. Not that that's mattered, because when he has done... He's done double digits against Chelsea. He's done double digits against Man City. And he's done them against United. So we've been speaking about this throughout the programme. My thought process on team structure, it's obviously evolving week by week because last week we were talking about, say, 3 million light, Bosala, Vardy and Son. And now I'm basically thinking to myself, I'm interested in Salah and maybe my most second most expensive player being Son because you touched on kind of Kane against Son and like where I'm standing there is like premium players are kind of inherently bad value unless we're going to cap them and if we're looking at say that extra 2 million spend on somebody like Kane what's the point because Son's going to be better value over that run so I think the savings that you could have you could balance out your squad a wee bit you could tap on the variance in a different kind of way I think by like buying somebody like Chilwell in defence and also having a kind of stronger squad overall that's going to be able to absorb them benchings and you're maybe going to see bench points coming in for Chilwell or else being able to raid the variance and Chilwell hitting a big hole. So where do where do you stand on this? Yeah, I think I'm actually one of the managers who would have happily taken away captaincy. I know a lot of people would right. disagree. Um, I, I prefer that because I feel like if they don't take it away, the alternative for me will be like Sky, where you get your captain each day. It's different. You keep all their points or like Euros and Champions League, where you could try a captain for the you know Saturday kickoff. And if it blanks, you could try for the Sunday because at least like you get to use your squad a bit more with the captaincy. And if, you know, one of your 15 players blanks as a captain, you get a second try of rolling the dice. I think that's better. I prefer that because it's less variance. So I think... If you're very good and you make like strong decisions most weeks, it's easier to stay in higher ranks. 
I think that's what they say about Sky players. If you're really good at FPL and you go to Sky, and obviously it's my first season as well, you end up kind of making decisions that other Sky players wouldn't. So that's kind of my thinking. Like you plan fixtures and you have captains for every big match. So I like that. I'm normally someone who would sell a premium. So I'd have like Salah all season. I'd have a second premium. And then I would sell that premium around for the Mm. weeks where I might captain away from Salah. And that's why I was kind of saying I, I would have had Lukaku during this spell if he wasn't injured. I would have then maybe thought about Kane. But I'm happy enough to captain Son, to be honest with you. So even if I was going to captain away from Sadler in those weeks where it looked like it wasn't a good thing to do, I'd still happily get Son and spread my funds, like you're saying. Because this week, for instance, um, you know, I'm not going to need to take a hit, hopefully, even if Vardy doesn't play. Because I'll just get a certain player off the bench like Livramento. So that's like kind of how the way I want to play. And by the way, just to say, John Chappelle popped in before we move on as well. Um, he's just wildcarded, like a friend of mine as well. He's got Raya, who obviously is out for five months. So Vardy, who I'm sure he'll be fit to play Arsenal. He loves scoring against us. And um, Rafinha, who we've heard is going to be fit, hopefully. And then Mobuemo sounds like he could miss the week. He, he's saying, anyone got a spare wildcard? Who, who's this? Oh, John Chappelle. Yeah, yeah, John oh, Chappelle, uh, exactly. That's uh, that's unfortunate, like you know. But he might get away. He might get away with a few of them, and hopefully, he's kind of got that flexible structure where the rare ones. Unfortunate. I'm hoping he's got Foster, but at least he can have a playing keeper if he has Foster, like you know. But um, like, where do you sit on like? Yeah, there's been a bit of discussion, kind of like today and yesterday, where people are talking about the possibility of taking on the captaincy because now they're talking about. Well, because people are talking about Perma captaincy, you're going to have Salah's going to have this huge EO, and there's going to be this opportunity there that if you take on the captaincy and he blanks in your player hats, that you've got this opportunity. They 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 make this chunk raise now. Like where I kind of sit in that does, I don't think I would want to be taking on Salah at the moment. You know, I wouldn't want to be making contrary captaincy decisions. Just for the just for the reason, just to oppose a player. Like I have to feel that there's a reason to back against a player. And at the minute, I'm not really seeing any reason to back against Salah whatsoever. Like, you know, you're looking at this Brighton fixture, you're looking at what Man City done to them. And I kind of think a lot of these guys that are talking, like you're basically talking about betting against the house. And I think like if you're if you're going to continually bet against the house, you're going to lose in the long run. Like, you know, <laughs> Like, like, what are you open here? Over like thirty-eight hoping? weeks or over, over a ten-week spell, like you might get a few hits, but I think what happens is the type of manager you are, right? Like, some people don't mind like the trauma of getting big red arrows week after week, and then suddenly the biggest green arrow you've ever seen in your life. But they will take a lot of hits and a lot of negative game weeks. Um, I'm more like you, though. I, I would just stick with the plan. Um, I think people ran the Salah captaincy through and if you've captained him more season, obviously, he's on over 100 points. He's got almost double the points of second place, which I think is Antonio. And that's crazy. Like, even if you did get someone who got three, four more points than Salah that week, if you own both of them, that's only like four or five point gain. That's not that much. Like, yes, it might give you incredible rank, but I think people who say that they don't like the captain for EO because it's boring, I would say that they're saying they don't take EO into account, but they are taking EO into account by captaining week after week players that aren't who they think is the best captain that week. Because if you're telling me someone genuinely believes that Jimenez away to someone who's not informed as a good captain or they should try and captain like 
a random asset like even Rafinha and Leeds would be terrible but they'll captain them because it's Norwich or whatever like yeah it could pay off of course it could that's why you have that player in your team but I don't personally at the time like I'm not picking Salah because of EO and because of the shield strategy I'm picking him because I think he's the best player in the world and he looks incredible mm-hmm. and no fixture looks difficult for them as you say so mm-hmm. I'm captaining him for that reason like the best player in the world that's what I'm looking at so if I'm then captaining someone with a lower EO because I think it's an opportunity to come back in rank I wouldn't advise that personally. I would stick to whoever you think is the best captain that week. And if you think it isn't Salah, then great, captain someone else. But don't do it because you just want to have the differential EO captaincy for the sake of it, because it will burn you, I think, in the long run. The more times you do it, the higher the risk of that blowing up in your face. And I'm not the type of manager who likes all those negative game weeks. So I try to play it safe and get my points kind of in my other three or four differential picks in my team. There's a friend of mine, and he's a gambler. Like, just like that's how he plays FPL. And like every week, he'll like text me and say like, "Well, who are you captain on this week?" And like I says, I, I says like Salah, and he's just like, "You're so fucking bored." He was all like, "Why, why are you captain on Salah every week?" And I think this week he captained Harry Kane, and like, the, he, I never rub it on. I never go back and do the hindsight thing. And then he'll text me then and be like, "I like you called it right, with Salah." And I was like, "What's well, like?" Like, do you, do you do you really want to back against the best player in the world at the minute? And that's where I'm sitting. And you know, I know like people want to kind of have these hypothetical debates. And I know on Twitter as well, people will want to kind of maybe be seen to be tapping the player that outscores Salah and then I give him week. So like they'll be all, oh, I think such as I think Foden could be a good pick this week. And then if he outscores Salah, they could they can quote retweet themselves and say, Haha, you see, I said last week that growth hacks, yeah. Growth hacks, and then they could say, Look, I, I, I said this, you know, because I'm I'm so good at FPL. But like where I'm sitting, it's like if somebody said to me now in a money league, you can cap and sell every week, I'm gonna take you on every week and I'm gonna pick a fixture play, I would just say, look, go ahead and go for it. Because in the long run, I'm just going to feel I'm going to win. And when I look back at my best seasons in FPL, Suarez captain was one of the years. I just captain Suarez every week. Do you know what? And it takes a certain amount of discipline. It was I think. three years before that. There was CR7, like Rooney. There's been players where when they've been going, that used to be the strategy, just spend cheap in defence and captain the they were my best right. they, were, they were my best years and like loads of people can like overthink and I think like Matthew Jones's top last week on like Gian's thread was don't overthink captaincy that was his top it was like four or five words and this is never so true as it is now there's no need to overthink it stick the armband on Salah if we're going to mix it up at some point it's going to be when the African Cup of Nations comes around because if he's gone then it becomes kind of punt season for three or four game weeks. Or if his form pays off. Nice then, yeah. The Joss pick could be quite... There's a lot of stuff in the live chat about rumours of AFCON not happening, but I think since then, another post may have come up. I think I saw a more recent tweet that kind of said that it was dismissing that idea and that it's probably fine and it's going ahead. But there's no smoke without fire, so let's see what comes in the coming days because, as you say, that's when we thought all our teams would diverge. And I think it was around game week 22 to 24 and that would be a great time to kind of see Salah leave and see what happens to everyone's teams and where they spend that money. 100%. Should we when go we on to the, the transfer trends? Yeah, 100%. Sure. Okay, so I guess just to give a shout out as well, so obviously I use Fantasy Football Fix for the screenshots for the transfer trend combos and I write my Fantasy Football Hub article, which I have not written yet this season, but 
it will come back soon enough once I resolve my job situation, which is ongoing. And for legal reasons, <laughs> I will wait till I've signed more paperwork before discussing. But DM me, guys. No um, disclosure. No disclosure. <laughs> um, so. I guess the main thing I want to say, so this is the top eight transfers in and out. Um, so we're seeing Chelsea, City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Leicester, West Ham and Wolves players being transferred in. We're seeing Chelsea, Man United, Leicester, Leeds and West Ham players being transferred out. I just want to take a moment there to pour some wine for all my friends, brothers and sisters, all my homies, all 170,000 of you who went and bought Vardy. May I ask, are you all right, mate? Strange. This is what I don't get. Um, it is, it is crazy. Um, when you see some of the moves that happened early on in the week, like obviously with the Raya news, when we get to the goalkeeper transfer trends, he doesn't appear on the screen now, but mm. you'll notice he makes up the majority of it. And again, I ask myself, like, who is making an early transfer for a goalkeeper in a week with midweek games? And, and you think these people, a lot of them finish ahead of most of us addicts year in, year out. And um, it's tough to take that when you know how much information you're digesting and consuming and how much we think about this game. And even those casuals can sometimes do better. But um, in a week like this, I can only laugh at all the poor new Raya owners who use the free transfer to get to him. And if they don't have Foster as well, then RIP, that's a minus four out this week. So that's some more green arrows for the rest of us. But I have a feeling that they're going to be lower ranked than us. So I'll just read out the screen then. So for anyone watching on podcast, so the most transferred in players this week so far have been Mount, Chilwell, Foden, Salah, Smithrow, Vardy, Antonio, and Huang. And the most transferred out players are Lukaku, Alonso, Pogba, Ronaldo, Vardy, Fernandez, Rafinha, and Ben Rama. So let's kind of look at the three most common moves, I guess, of the week. So the most popular combinations across all positions, and the graphic is on screen for any podcast listeners who can't see this. It shows some very nice lines and little scatter plot of who's going where. So Alonso Chilwell is the most common transfer. It makes up about 7% of all moves. You know, Ben Rama to Mount, that's another huge one. And finally, Rafinha to Foden. So those are the top three moves. That's where most of the movement's happening. What's your take on that? Selling Rafinha before Norwich is questionable. Yeah, Alonso with Chilwell's understandable because Alonso, well, uh, these guys didn't know that because these 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 slides were obviously produced before tonight's game, but Alonso played tonight, so Chilwell, you can imagine, is going to play at the weekend, but Mount, I don't know if I've been moved to Mount personally, myself, like, you know, it's, I can't buy those 24 points, alright, he's got Newcastle coming, but I don't know, there's different options in midfield that I prefer, like, I do think Foden's preferable, Salah's preferable, some. And I don't really have the slack for somebody like Mount, I don't think, at the moment. So, um, I went for Foden, as I said earlier in the yeah. week. And I, I had to just jump on that move. I couldn't resist them. We'll, we'll kind of just go into the different positions then. So in the forward range, it's all kind of one big plot of just everyone selling Lukaku <laughs> and a few kind of St. Maximan and Ronaldo owners trying to get out too. But <laughs> So Lukaku to Tony makes up 11% of all forward transfers. Uh, Lukaku to Vardy makes up 11%. Lukaku to Huang makes up 4% and Lukaku to Kane makes up 4%. Uh, Ronaldo to Tony makes up another 4%. And actually, Dennis is also being sold for Huang. So Lukaku to Oba, finally, that's kind of 2.5% of the forward moves. I think in the last four Premier League games, Oba's obviously had three goals and one assist and he's risen back to his 10 million starting price. Um, yeah, so th- this forwards line, this is quite interesting as well. I think some people have 
kept Ronaldo last week. I do wonder if I had him now, I would probably just keep him against Spurs, um, in all honesty. And I think they then have a decent game at some point in the Premier League after that. So I, I wonder if I would just keep Ronaldo at this stage. What would you do? I sold him because I just couldn't stand to sight him any longer. From being I mean, if you had him now, so if you kept him through the last game as well, like it seems no. odd to be prioritizing selling someone who probably will start. And there's so many other flags in our team. So I think that's the kind of the more patient approach I'm talking about. But I guess a lot of people might be wildcarding still. Like there's still quite a few unused ones out there as well. I think it's entirely team dependent, as you're saying. And I think I think it depends what you're trying to do. You know, it depends on your flags and. You know, that Ronaldo de Tony move, like if you're freeing up back cash, they kinda of move towards maybe like a son on midfield if that's your plan, then grand. But I don't think I don't think Ronaldo's good value if you're not gonna keep him. Like that's what we've already kinda of touched on already. So like I I can understand redistributing the funds. Now I was speaking to kinda of Peter Peter Dougie during the week and we were talking about forwards and he's saying that there's none that he trusts and like I do completely agree with his point, but this is AFPL that all comes and swings around about sometimes. Like, I know you at the minute there isn't like a forward that's performing. And like, this is kind of, this is making me wary about kind of moving off Vardy because Vardy kind of represent that price point where like I could maybe jump on like a Ronaldo or move to like a Lukaku or move to like a Kane. And although I'm turning around at the minute now and saying, I'll sell as perma captain, like, I always kind of try to remain flexible in my thought, if you know what I mean. They say, well, at some point, Ronaldo's fixtures are going to be good. You know, during that Kane run, Asala maybe going to tail off a wee bit and regress a bit before that and maybe tempt me on the kind of captain, going for like a Kane captain. I don't know. Like, I I can see merit in kind of being flexible and maybe retaining a kind of premium striker to a certain extent. And I'm kind of a wee bit worried about selling myself. Yeah, no, I can see that. I think I know that I know that conflicts right. with I know that conflicts with what I've been saying, but at the same time I'm a wee but I'm not entirely sure like at the moment. Like, you know, I think once you move off that premium striker, it's then gonna take you two transfers to get back on, if you know what I mean. I think for me, I would only do it if like I was gonna spend the money straight away. So like I wouldn't do that Ronaldo to turn your fang and then sit on the five point five million or whatever in for the a bank. Week? Right. Yeah, for like a week or two. I would make it as part of this week's move. Otherwise, that's where I would then wait. So my normal situation would be I would then wait, have Good two, point. three transfers next week and do both of them. Um, but if you've got lots of other fires in your team and you know Ronaldo's going to play, I would give him a chance against Tottenham. We know how good Ole has been historically of turning up in stretches of two or three matches like Atlanta City and Spurs where he can win all three of them and keep his job forever, hopefully. So... Yeah. Ole in hashtag while I'm here. Sorry to any United friends. It's nice to uh, see. Dead man yeah. walking on it. <laughs> Fergie's faith is in that man. But um, okay. So let's. Um, I, I think just on the forwards before I go to mids. Um, what I will say is before Vardy's injury, obviously I felt like Vardy and Antonio were like two set players in that forward line, and you could either have like a dud third forward, or you could have like a Tony. People had some Dennis for a while. You could have Huang. Obviously, there's now um. Broha as well, who we spoke about from Southampton. So there are options there. And I think that could work, but I, I wouldn't personally like I, I think it's uh, Chris is saying, so Negan is saying he's in this exact issue. He's got Ronaldo, he wants to get rid, but he's loath to pull the trigger. Like imagine he just sees like a Ronaldo hat trick against Spurs. Just imagine how you would feel about that. So for me, it's always like I think about what the worst outcome is and what would make me feel the worst. And I do this with my benching headaches too. I say to myself, if I bench this player and he hauls, will I be angrier about him hauling on my bench 
or the other player hauling on my bench. And I always pick the one to start that I would not want to miss a haul from that would make me the most angry because then I'm worried I'll go on tilt and then I'll keep making more bad decisions. So that's something else I've noticed is it's really easy to follow up a hit by another hit by another hit each week and just try to plaster approach, fix your team. But I told myself I picked these assets because I, there was a reason for it. I put in so much time in research. When things go wrong for me, like I don't know if it was a good decision, bad outcome or bad decision, bad outcome. So in that scenario, if I trust my skills as an FL manager, I'm like, well, I picked this place for a reason. That's similar to why I'm keeping Saka. So a lot of people will have sold him. Some people will have moved off Rafinha to chase Foden's points. Yeah, I think Foden's a great asset, but I wouldn't have sold Rafinha early before, you know, knowing he was fit. I'm sure some of them will be sweating through that game as well now that, you know, what if Foden starts in the League Cup, doesn't start on the weekend, and Rafinha bags a hat-trick against Norwich. Like, And imagine, like, I know a lot of people, including me, who moved early to get to Foden and did sell Rafinha. So I think just on the forwards, I'd say, yeah, I think Antonio is the guy. And that's why I'm looking at Oba as a final point, because I do like staying at that Vardy price point in case I want to get to Kane or Ronaldo. So, yeah, I think that's going to be me. And Antonio is there. So Antonio, Tony, plus someone else. I'm going to always have three forwards. I'm not a two-forward man. Lenz is just, you know, he's replying to like what you're talking about here. And he's saying that he's taking your advice and he's going to keep CR7 this week and try and basically money wildcard next week. And I know that's something that we've talked about in WhatsApp. And that's what you've spoke about there. If you can't reinvest that cash this week, maybe just sit on him, show a bit of patience and just do it as a double change. Yeah, just remember, you pick these players for a reason. So back them. And I think over time, the more game weeks you give players, the more chance there is you will catch that haul of theirs. So, you know, I know people who sold Mount for Havertz, like last week. So, you know, it's all swings and roundabouts. Like every time I make a move, I say to myself, I can make the wrong move. So sometimes it is aggressive to do no move. Like now Ronaldo's EO is so low. It dropped so low over the last few weeks. And by this week, it will be even lower. So if this is the last week or two you keep him and he does get you a couple of farewell points, you'll be laughing in, when you look at the ranks. You'll be flying. Mm-hmm. And the, Again, so if, you know, we all think he's one of the best players to ever do it. So I would give him the chance. Just going to mid so we can then get to the live questions. Yeah. And questions. Um, so in the midfielder range, it's kind of the most common moves are Ben Rama being sold to Mount. That's 7% of moves. Foden, 5%. And Smithrow, 2%. So that makes me happy. I saw the price drop on Ben Rama. I know that that priced out poor Mariner from being able to move to Foden. So, ha, 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 ha. And I know he's going to buy Mount. So, I'm here in the Arsenal shirt. We've got an unbeaten streak going. Before the first international break, things were looking tough. I was like, do I really want an FPL show as an Arsenal fan where people in the live chat are just going to mock our team every week? But these days, things look okay. So, we've got Rafinha being sold for Foden as well, 6% of midfielder moves. And Rafinha to Mount, 5%. Saw to Foden, saw to Mount, and then Havertz to Mount. I just want to say, laugh my fucking ass off. Like, what are you guys okay? Like, I, I would have bought Havertz in for at least the next three. So for me, again, that's the whole patience thing I was talking about. Like, maybe I'll be stung and, you know, Mount will get another hat trick somehow and Havertz will blank again. But if that happens, I'll just say bad decision, right outcome. It doesn't mean they did well, right? A broken clock's right twice a day too. So, yeah, like I, I wouldn't, I, I can't imagine why you would have brought in Havertz and then now you're going to Mount. No. I, I, I wouldn't even be considering that. Um, and then Havertz to Foden, that's okay. But again, why? Like I would keep Havertz. I would back him for the next two games. He may get his haul yet. So I know he scored tonight as well in the League Cup. So 
Mm-hmm. And finally, Gallagher's being sort of Foden. And I think just on that point, Gallagher seems to have lost all his kind of set-piece duties. Um, he's not really looking like he's creating as much as he was in the earlier weeks. And I, I do want a Palace attacker potentially. So I've looked at Edouard as a striker. Um, I don't think I'd go for Zaha in midfield. But there are other options that I'm looking at. And I, I don't think it would be kind of Gallagher at this stage. So if I had him, I'd probably keep him because I think he's got a really easy fixture this week. I'm pretty sure he's playing, is it... Who's uh no no they play Man City? Oh, is it Man City? Oh, damn, I was thinking the Newcastle right. fixture last week because again, even last week people were sending Gallagher on transfer trends and I couldn't believe it. Like, um, I would never sell like an asset that's going to play and maybe play 90 minutes ahead of a good fixture. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, you, well, you know, I said I'd keep Ronaldo ahead of bad fixtures. So, <laughs> why would I send a ship player for ships? Um, on the midfielders, is there anything that kind of you see that, apart from the Havertz to Mount move, which I've already thought was very odd, is there anything that you see that's unusual or does it like it's all going the right way? I think there's a lot of people jumping off Rafinha before they get news, which is, it obviously isn't how we play FPL. Um, ben Rama moves make sense to me. The Havertz, people jumping off Havertz doesn't make any sense to me because you have to back your conviction and, you know, you were in the wrong side of a coin flip, it didn't work out. Like, that's that's as simple as what it is. If they're playing Newcastle next, the coin could land your way well, come game week 10. So, like, I think you have to back your conviction there rather than jumping from one to the other. Like, somebody that follows me on Twitter, they sold... They sold Foden for Havertz minus four. And they're now looking to go back to Foden for another minus four. And I was like, no, this is like, you're like taking two hats and kind of dodging maybe all the points. In the meantime, I was like, no, this is, this is tragic. But um, no, they all make sense. I kind of, what I would say about like Gallagher's price point is like, I think these 5.5 mud, mud fielders are kind of starting to show their flakiness a wee bit. They perform for a few weeks, but then they're kind of certainly flattery deceived. The Curry was maybe the, the only exception where like long term he was producing. Like even Buemo, I like him, but I don't love him. ESR, like we talked about, seven blanks out of nine. Gallagher's kinda he's starting to show he's, he's showing for what he is. SARS kinda tailed off. So I think if we're talking about the spread of cash from like only having like a one premium side and maybe like a son, you could maybe beef up that 5.5 million midfielder on the somebody decent. So, um, George Poe asked as well just on Havertz played 90 in the cup. And do we think he starts? Um, I think as long as Lukaku's out and obviously Werner's out, and I'm pretty sure that he's going to start. I think tonight's game, if anything, was like maybe to give him confidence, and he would have got just that from the goal. So, if I had him, I'd be optimistic about his chances. Um, and Lukaku, I think he's he's apparently got so much swelling still at the point of the injury that he's not even done any kind of training i don't think he's even taking about an individual training he's not even close no. to returning to training so i'd be happy holding Havertz for the next few um look yeah, so. had a picture on social media of like he was getting like a massage in his ankle and he didn't he, he didn't look to me as if it was like some kind of sports massage where he was going to be kind of returned to play anytime soon like you know it was hard to tell from the photograph but it, the noises are that he's he's going to be a while yet. So no, um, this this graphic's incredible, by the way, for the defenders. It's just one line. So every other transfer trends graph for the podcast is that lots of lines going from players who are being sold to players that are being replaced on the defenders this week. It, it's just Alonso to Chilwell is the line. 
That's the only <laughs> you don't get to see this often, but um, yeah. this kind of stuff, as the season goes on, you'll notice from game week one to now, the transfer trends look so different. Um, there's definitely like a clear direction of EO movement. Like each week, if you look at live FPL once it updates, you'll see certain players that you had are all going down and certain players that you don't have that are your rank are all going up. Mm-hmm. And I think at this stage, it's like the points gaps are still quite close, but by about 10 weeks after game week 10, I think it starts to get a bit more accurate where you are and your rank means a bit more. And there's then suddenly 50 point gaps between rank brackets. And I think we're getting closer to that. And just because Salah captain is available every week for the time being, doesn't mean that you can't make up ground elsewhere. So I think that that's what I'm looking at is seeing where the masses are going with transfer trends each week on the compass show at the start of the week, like on a Monday. And then, getting as much information as I can from the pressers and injury updates and essentially trying to see if I can find like transfers that go against the tide. So not picking differentials for differential sake, but in a week where let's say this week, Alonso to Pinnock is a common move as well. I can't imagine someone doing that. Like that's crazy. Like I just like, even if you need the money, like Alonso to Pinnock, that's the seventh most popular defensive move. And he came off subbed injured mid way through the last game. So it, Raya's out now. So it's like, again, and some of these people, they finish ahead of us season after season. So I just need to kind of look at where the masses are going and see if I can find little opportunities where it's going against the grain. So I like mm-hmm. it when sometimes you see like a player, he's only being brought in in one of the trends. This week is Pinnock in defense, but I, I think that's the wrong pick. He may have been a good pick pre Raya injury. And obviously, if he wasn't potentially an injury scare himself, I think he's a Jamaican international. I like the look of him, but. I wouldn't be going near Brentford defence after what's just happened. Um, just in terms of other players being brought in, I'll just add on. So Alonso's Chilwell is 20% of all defender moves that have taken place. So one-fifth of all defender moves this week are people selling Alonso for Chilwell. Alonso to Rutherford is 5%, to Trent 4%, to James 3%, Pinnock 2%. There's some poor Marcel owners still selling him to Chilwell and Livramento. Aspilicueta is being sold for Chilwell. TN is being sold for Chilwell. Christensen is being sold for Chilwell. So this is what I mean. So at this point, I've got Rudiger. I look at Chilwell and I think, oh, shit. Lots of people are going to have money to buy Chilwell. He's already becoming super popular. He's already hauled multiple times. He's got more popularity to come yet. And I'd be pretty scared at this stage because he does kind of give you the bench as well because he generally won't sub on when he doesn't play. Hopefully not anyway. There's, so there's it's a kind of like that's a worry that I need to get to him, right? Because that's what I'm trying to say. Like when you look at this trend already, you could either go now and say to yourself, I'll get your world with everyone else, because I think he's the best pick, even if his EO is going up, you're still gonna gain. Or you yeah. can look for the next person who you think is gonna be after Chilwell. So there's a bit of talk in the chat that kind of realistic what you're talking about here, where Tom Stevenson has a question as Reese James basically gonna start now. There was a wee bit of chatter on Twitter because I think Reese James maybe played right centre-back and maybe Hudson Odoi played right wing-back tonight. Christensen must out because he had an issue with his teeth. I don't know if he's got false teeth or what the crack is. Um, Aspilicueta had a shoulder injury, I think, and Tuchel has maybe kind of said played it down as these are kind of minor ailments and that they're going to be back soon for the weekend. And people are thinking now, James has had to start here. Is he going to start the weekend? Like, Where, where do you... Where do you sit with that, knowing what you know? So because um, he's a cameo kind of guy as well, obviously, and he comes on a lot more than Chilwell, that's for sure. So I think that would worry me. What I'm just quickly checking is that before the game, because obviously I was watching the Arsenal game or the Chelsea game, I did 
here that he was playing right centre back. So I think yeah. Hudson Odoi was playing right wing back. So to me, that feels like he's trying to preserve him a bit for the weekend, and that would give me confidence. If I'm honest with you, um, I, I also think although they're downplaying the Aspilicueta injury and some of the other injuries, uh, we're not sure yet, and there'll be another presser yeah. from Chelsea, and we'll we'll see training photos and we'll see if Aspilicueta is there. So for me, like. If Aspilicueta doesn't look like he's in training as well, I, I, I can't see Reese James not starting personally. But And I also think he was played at one of the three centre-backs to preserve him a bit. So that's my opinion. For me, I think Reese James is their best right wing-back, whether they play him enough or not is a different question. But I do think he's kind of aging towards a wee bit. Like, there's there's a few players, in my opinion, that are kind of making a breakthrough this season. We're seeing it with Foden. We're seeing it with Jada. Whereas like these guys previously were like kind of Doubts in their next minutes. I think we're starting to see them kind of grow in stature when their clubs in their next minutes are starting to improve. And I do think we're going to see that with Reese James. Now, I know people were kind of getting a wee bit of a tizzy whenever they saw the team sheet tonight on Twitter. But what I would say is, it's Newcastle next. I think we've got Burnley after that. Wait and see the lay of the land. As you say, wait for the training photographs. I say a injuries in your team. And see what happens. Like, if it gets to Newcastle and Reese James becomes a, like a one-point issue... I'll have no problem pulling the trigger and going to Chilwell, but it's the issue is: Are you doing it maybe too late? Because is Chilwell maybe going to do the same thing again? Like you know, that's what just... I mean. So yeah, so that's why I'm kind of looking at this and thinking Chilwell's great, but I've got Rudiger. Yes, I've not got the same points as Chilwell did or as James did on the weekend, but he's steady. He's going okay. And maybe when I wildcard, that's when I change Rudiger to someone like Chilwell long term for as much of the season as I can. So I mm. think Chilwell could become a long term hold. But equally, I'm not willing to use advice or transfer at this stage or if I'd you know, use my wildcard already, like some people. I don't know if I'd be moving from one Chelsea investor transfer to another. So like Tom Stevens is kind of saying the same, where it just doesn't seem worth it. There's too many injuries to be thinking about stuff like pulling Reese James to Chilwell. So although Chilwell's the popular move, I don't think I can act on that trend because there's just so many other issues to deal with in the team. Um, we'll go on to goalkeepers just before we wrap up to go to Twitter questions and live questions. Um, so... In case you can't see the graphic in your own podcast, it's basically like the most incredible, beautiful abstract piece of architecture and it all just points to Raya in goal. Um, so shout out to you guys. You're the real troopers. Um, it's going to be a tough game week for you guys. I hope you have Foster, guys, because if you don't have Foster, like then it is painful. Um, if they didn't have Foster, would you take the minus four to get a playing goalkeeper if you don't have wildcard preserve? But you just go with it and just uh, solve yeah. that now. You have to. Yeah, you have to maximise the weeks you can try and get the points back from, right? The minus four. Like, this isn't like a one-week thing or something like that, you know, whereas, like, I know I know in FPL world, sometimes if somebody's going to miss a week and they don't have a playing goalkeeper, sometimes you'll hear them say, I'll just play with no goalkeeper this week, and this just doesn't an option because he's out for such a lengthy period of time. And I looked at the Brentford subkeeper, and he's 4.5 million, so not somebody would be interested in. I kind of thought if he had been four, maybe different. But, no, I feel sorry for these guys jumping the Ray. I hope some of them are in the wild card and that they can jump off like you know because I had looked at Ray myself in wild card and I feel like Ramsdale wasn't a great decision if I could decide I would go back to Sanchez if I'm being totally honest so that's the I guess just to say as well so four of the most popular combos out of ten combos are to buy Mendy five of them are to buy Raya and one of them is to buy Foster from some backman owners so hashtag pain um, I hope you were buying him as like your second keeper Foster, not as a replacement for your first keeper. I don't, I really hope you've not gone for Foster plus another 4 million keeper because you are playing with fire. That's all I can tell you. Oh boy. <laughs> it's risky business going for two, four millions when it's Foster involved. Um, 
Sanchez, Michael, Loris, Ramsdale, and Saar are all being sold for Raya and Mendy. So I think there's some regrettable Ramsdale owners like yourself and a few others who feel they probably like wanted to change the goalkeeper position on wildcard just to keep improving the team. Mm. Is that how you would say that came about? I think sometimes you can make transfers to kind of justify your wild card to a certain extent. Like, you know, you maybe play your wild card and think, oh, I could make three or four and fine tune my team. And then you go a wee bit nuts and think, oh, I'll make a, I'll make a goalkeeper transfer to justify him. And I, I kind of feel to a certain extent that's what I did. But at the same time, I don't think there's much between the keepers, if I'm being honest. Sanchez, Ramsdale, it could all come out in the wash. Like, you know, Ramsdale might get a few saves, but your defence isn't the worst. Um... What's annoying about Ramsdale at the minute is he's had the clean sheet on the board and he's lost it. I really hate that, you know, because the point the points are there and the saves are there and it gets to the stage where I'm looking at BPS and I'm going, fuck yes, here we go. I'm going to get a 10-pointer. And then next thing it just crashes and Edward slams one on the net. You're like, for God's sake. What are you doing? It, it is nuts. And then at the same time, you've got people like Sanchez getting four points and bonus points when they're losing yeah. four goals or something like he got two bonus points or something, didn't he? It was very weird. It's, it's, it's actually nuts when you think about it. Um, I guess what I would say is, so people have been talking about, is Mendy plus Chilwell the play? Um, I, I don't know. Like, If you wanted to double Chelsea defence, probably if you had wildcard, you could try. I, I don't want that money in my goalkeeper still. That's just the way I play. But um, we've also had a few people kind of saying, what if Chilwell's their second defender so tony has asked what if i want to add chillwell to have two chelsea defenders so i think if you're in your position where you've got Cancelo and diaz and you're thinking you might want to turn diaz into chillwell mm. that's quite exciting um i think the alternative to that is i have obviously G, white uh, but as in i have mm. white as well so like if i wanted to upgrade by a million i could go to chillwell so it is true but every week someone is going to get benched and it's going to be one of livramento chillwell or rudiger because i'm not benching trent and Cancelo. Um, and then I'm going to have to bench like one of my mids or forwards. And unlike you, I don't know if I actually want that much strength. Like I want the strength, but I want the strength to be like a brown hill that he'll just come off for two points if I need as my last sub, um, not another million on top of that for like a Chilwell or a million and a half. Because mm-hmm. if I'm not going to play both my Chelsea defenders, I wouldn't want them. Um, but that's again, it's just for my team and everything. So team specific. So, you know, I, I want to play Livramento. So I can't see a world where I would have a back four and Livermento was my fifth defender because I'd want to play him most of these coming weeks. So I think, yeah, maybe when I walk up personally, I'll go for Chilwell and have a double Chelsea defence or replace Rodrigo with him in game week 14. But if you want a Chilwell now, I would kind of go for him. I, I think he looks fantastic value. And I know we're saying maybe some of the big hauls have gone, but if you back him as a player like I do and you believe he can do it on a longer-term basis, I would hold him. Yeah, I wouldn't like, bring him in to sell him. I would just hold on to him most of the season if I could. Uh, I, I like your Rudiger pick too. Like, you know, it's, I kind of think that I know people are talking about saying Mendy and Chilwell. Like, I would, if I was going Chelsea, I would probably go Rudiger and Chilwell if I'm being totally honest because I don't spend yeah, six. I don't spend six in a keeper. That's just not what I do. And it's easier for me to justify downgrading Rudiger in the future than it is to then sell a goalkeeper if I need to get funds back out of Mendy. So I wouldn't really want to do that personally. But um, let's go to the Twitter submit question because we're about an hour 30 and we'll try to wrap up in the next 10, 15 minutes with some live questions. Um, we've got a few um, new listeners as well. I think before we go into it, we've got just a quick, let me go back to this. Let's just uh, take a quick breather. We'll have some water 
I'm going to play a quick clip for you guys while you're here. So thank you, everyone. I've not really plugged the likes much this stream, but no. thank you for everyone who's here. So please do help us get to the 50 likes like we were asking last stream. We're at 31 now, so really appreciate that. If you've enjoyed the show, you're new, please do like it. We are very close to the 1,500 subscriber mark, so help us get there, and I'll try to get the allergy costume by next Monday's stream. Um, in the meantime, I'm going to play you some self-deprecating comedy from the channel. Um, I was going to go for myself, but I go for Nick because... I've been told by someone earlier, can you please play the great clip um, to help us all through this difficult game week and this toxic <laughs> week on Twitter. So let's enjoy some time with our good old friend of the show, Nick Triggerlips, while we take a breather and we'll come back to the Twitter questions. That's Can't devastating. LiveFPL.net is going to crash. Let's have a look. Oh, wow. The average and the safety score have gone way up. <laughs> Having so DCL out know. and then having that prick grey score, it's just like. <laughs> it's ruined my fucking day, though. You know, you get. It's ten, ruined my all, day, too, to be fair. All, all 10 midfielders blank, don't they? And you just know that fucking grey is going to come along and fuck up your grey week. Grey on week a Monday. Like yeah. Except all the pricks on Twitter have all got him. That's the only people you were. 99% of people posting on Twitter tonight will have him. All, all the, the wild rest, card all really the rest will have turned off. Okay, we... <laughs> uh, that's some good times. Um, good man's His hair doesn't rate that, man. <laughs> I'm just changing the ticker. I've been told to put the smash like or get out ticker. Thank you guys who did hit like. Um, and sorry to whoever it was that got out. <laughs> So in the meantime, oh, oh wow, I made that a lot bigger than I was. <laughs> <laughs> it's never been that big. Um, oh shit! Oh, I don't know what I did here, but oh, for God's I'll, sake. I'll scroll across the bottom. I see. Okay, there uh, we go. All right, that's a bit more respectable. So, so FPL volatility, chap, solve this riddle for me. Foden or Mount? Coming in for Rafinha, got enough cash in the bank. Obviously, that might answer itself at this stage, but I'm tempted to go Foden. Is Mount more nailed? Help me pick. Between oh, the I two, say, yeah, I don't think him. Mount is more nailed because he he is nailed for now, and obviously there was talk of him being vital for Lukaku's chance creation from Tuchel. But I, you know, I I don't think he's guaranteed to always start. Like I actually think these days Tuchel Tombola, as they call it, is probably worse than Pep Poulet could ever be. There's a girl that posts on Twitter, Anna Woodbury, and she has like stats and like rotation. And Chelsea are like out in their own top. They are like the worst in the league for rotation. So if I had to pick between Foden and Mount, I would pick Foden. Would I see Rafinha? Not really sure ahead on Norwich. So not with the news that he's probably back as well. So I think if you are watching just on the VOD version, um, if you go back volatility, there is a section where we talk a little bit about the Rafinha and kind of what we think but Foden we've talked about a lot as well so anyone who's missed anything like do go back and watch some of the VOD will timestamp it yeah timestamp read out this one we'll just rifle through these as quick as possible so Nick yeah, he's, he's, on the, he's on the stream and he's saying with Mulder and Keita possibly out Curtis Jones is a fifth midfield option blah blah I'm not even going to read the rest of it he's basically saying appreciate that it's Block and Jada may not be necessary with a lack of premium options I wouldn't get Curtis Jones. I just have Brown Hall, 4.4 million. If it gets at the minute, I have Trent and I have Salah. We have spoke previously about the kind of cash that's going to be freed up from like maybe having like Salah and Son and having like a one premium side. And I spoke about 
I could have Jota instead of Rafinha. If, if Rafinha keeps underperforming, that's a move I think I would like to make. And I wouldn't want to be in like a kind of Samakas position where I think my only hat of the season was getting rid of Samakas. I don't want to be doing that again. So, Yeah, no, I think I know what you mean. I had Samakas as well. And luckily, I sold him for Livramento just before the price drop and ahead of the price gain. Um, so, yeah, let's move on to the next question from Akib as well. So he says, Daka looked lively. Um, is he our redemption path for a game week 10 green arrow? What to do with Kai? Seven goals last match, yet no involvement. Is there anything like sustainable template? Daka, I wouldn't buy him. Kai Havertz, I think you have to stick with him. Sustainable template. Template kind of changes every week, doesn't it? It evolves and kind of becomes... Depends. The whole thing about the template is it depends how close you are to the best possible team. You know, like where we see people, I think, struggling is they make a few dud transfers and suddenly they fall a few moves behind the ideal team. So is there such a thing as a sustainable template? I think so. Yeah, I think that's what we were talking about in the transfer trends, right? Like just looking at the ebbs and flows of who's going down in EO that everyone owns and who's going up in EO that no one owns or how big your risks are getting and your risk management. So I'll be buying players who I think like I want to get on them to get their points while they're still a differential. Because if you get someone after they bang multiple weeks in a row, they're going to be up to 60 to 80% EO within three, four weeks if they keep scoring. That mm. is never going to stay low, especially if they're cheap. So the cheaper they are and the more consistently they get points week after week, they just keep getting signed. And then like those points, like, yeah, you're getting them, but it's not doing much for you. It's kind of keeping you with the pla- uh, pack. So if you want to get in there, I think you've got to get, get in with the players that are going to become template. If you really want to win, you got to get them before their template and then be moving mm. on while others are still trying to bring them in. And mm. I think that's one of my faults is I hold on to players with that patient approach. I have too long. So my biggest weakness in my game is I just hold them and I, I kind of don't. So yeah, I should sell players more often is the key here, I think. I am cutting in and out on internet. I don't know what you see when it happens. But... You're not you're, you're not actually too bad, but like the touch on that guy, I just kind of think, I haven't seen enough that I like. His minutes are an issue. Vardy was like their striker and the only thing that's going to create a chance for me for like Nacho and like Daka is if like Vardy has some kind of long-term injury so in that respect I wouldn't like if you're talking about risk management I wouldn't then move to somebody like Daka I would yeah, kind like of if stay... I didn't have Tony I'd go to Tony yeah. for example because exactly. that would be the fixture play and I've seen enough of him that I rate him um let's go to Prakash's question um what would you think about Spurs so he said they look very poor against West Ham and Kane and Son, like obviously, does this change our plans getting into game week 12? And would you do the double up still? You know, it was dreadful on eye test, and he's now thinking twice, Prakash. I wouldn't do the double up because, like, my position throughout this pod has been that I want to have Salah and maybe another kind of premium light, and that's going to be Son. I wouldn't do Kane and Son because it's just going to screw up the structure of my team. How do you feel about the fixtures, or like, how do you feel about kind of going towards game week 12? Doesn't really change the enemy thinking towards some because I'm a fixtures man. You look at Chelsea Norwich this week, it was how it was because of the strength of the fixture. And rather than look at, say, how Kane and Son are performing over the short term, I would rather think about what they've done over a period of time, like, say, like the last two seasons or three seasons. And like, we know that they're high performing players. And like, my kind of mantra is get on these big players for the big fixtures and that's what you're seeing from game week 12 but it would only go for one yeah i'm just gonna go for son um so shubro another friend of the show 
you know, is Duffy's time in the playing 11 um, numbered? What, what do you think? There's options there. Like, you know, now that the fact that Veltman's there, Lamptey's there, like Webster, Dan Byrne, they're playing with a full deck. Although what I'm going to say is, I have a bit of a theory on Duffy. I kind of think Potter took him out because he thought he was going to get pumped by Man City. And I think, this is this is based on nothing but a hunch. I think that he maybe took him out because he thought he was going to get a hammer and to kind of preserve his confidence. And I wouldn't be entirely surprised to see him go back in. So somebody can clip that next week if it turns out to be the worst bit of advice in the show. Like, but um, I think he's going to be an issue going forward. And I think if he can move to somebody like Livermento, probably makes more sense. Yeah, I think if he doesn't have Livermento, that's an option. And Manquillo, as you said, could be an option if it's a fifth defender that you never need and you treat him like a Brownhill. Mm-hmm. How about FPL Vegas? So Son and Kane, same question, saying Spurs blowing hot and cold week in, week out. Um, I think, again, like I would just go for either one. I don't think there's a right answer. It depends mm-hmm. if you're going to use the two million from the saving on Son for anything else. Um, Tom Stevens is also saying, Potter said that the Duffy benching was tactical. He's a fellow Duffy owner. But this is what this is what I'm saying about Duffy. Like I do, I do think that he took him out of the limelight to kind of protect his confidence because he had been going well, and you know I know that he had some kind of personal issues last year, and uh, the way he was playing, there didn't really seem to be any reason to drop him out. Bar like, oh look, you're not going to be in the starting lineup anymore, and he had done that well that I don't think that Potter would take him out of the. I don't think Potter would just drop him now and say, look, we're never going to play you again. I do think he's going to come back. I'm not being totally honest. I think so. Um... Just a few more that we're seeing, actually. So, John Chappelle says Pookie will be the next bandwagon. So, those fixtures for Norwich do look incredible. Um, I don't think Pookie's the same player we saw when he came up to the Prem a few seasons ago. I think he's a bit older now. And from what I understand from Norwich fans, he's not quite that same player. Um, if he pops a few goals in, the Pookie party and the gifts and the memes are ready to come out, though. Um, I would consider him. But right now, I'm liking the look of Edward more, I think. Um that's someone who I've got my eye on as a potential punt and broho at five million. That really appeals to me. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely looking at those guys over a Pookie, but I can see the appeal in going for Pookie as your one or two punts in kind of your two differential slots. Um Simeon Astralaz, he says he's gonna carry my team during AFCON. So he does also have a real question as well. So he says is it time to abandon a premium striker and just reinvest in mid annual defense? Kane, Lukaku, Vardy, CR7, they just don't seem worth it. That's exactly what we've been kind of saying all the show. So I think we're kind of singing from the same home sheet as, as Simeon here. Like, you know, it's. I think so. In terms of African Cup nations, I think we just kind of wait the closer to the time and see like what game weeks he's maybe going to miss. But I think that's going to be in a time they maybe be a bit more attacking and aggressive with like your captaincy of like if, if Sal is out of the picture, like as we're expecting them to be. I think so. Um, so Malcolm Brown's got a 350k drop. He's activated the wild card. Should he go template or maverick? Template. Yeah, this that, that's that's just the way we play, though. I guess like because like year after year, like that gets you consistently within a certain range, and then you can take those punty risks towards the end. Like Abdul was saying when FPL Salah came on, that I kind of thought he'd say that the higher his rank was, the less risky he would play and the lower his rank so as in the worse his rank was he would then be riskier but he actually said that when he had a chance of getting say like if he was in 1k he'd actually go for riskier plays to try and get into top 100 mm. as opposed to necessarily playing safe at that rank because if he plays it 
risky and it fucks up, yeah, he might get like 8K, 9K, but he could get top 100. So he goes for that. But actually, if he was further behind the pack, like a few hundred K or 1 million, I wouldn't just keep going differential and keep taking hits each week. Like I would just play pretty template most weeks and I'd back myself week in, week out to overtake people. Like I would just, and then maybe take the pots later when I'm higher up. So I don't like the idea of taking bigger risks the further back you are. And I know there's some managers who are quite far back, like last season, obviously, FPL Matthew, I think he was like 4 million around seven, eight weeks in, and he finished 29K. So there are examples of people coming back. And, you know, we know how FPL Matthew plays, and he doesn't just take a punt every week and go Maverick Maverick ever. Like it's always, even his wild cards, like you say, sometimes he won't change half the players. Mm. But I think for like, for like Malcolm, what like Malcolm wants to be doing on his wildcard is, it sounds very basic, but it wants to be picking the best possible team. And like the template does change week by week, it does evolve. And like he is an opportunity in wildcard to get right to the very front front of the queue in terms of not having to get to that best fit combination of players by by using transfers or taking hits. So he wants to try and get there, and he's going to make the ground by getting there. Like you know, I think people can kind of overcomplicate FPL a wee bit by like number one we talked about earlier in the show. Or do we now need to kind of back against Salah captaincy because we're trying to make ground? I think it'd be a great way to finish three millionth if you did that. Because if you started backing against Salah every week, you're just going to get tanked inside out. So you'll make your marginal gains by getting on the best team, I think. Play conservative. Bank your transfers. Don't take cuts. I think you'll make gains. It seems like it's the basic stuff, isn't it? But uh, well, basic, like, you know, it's like the FPL alphabets, isn't it? 101. It's something I've tried to get back to doing this year, and it's it, like it, it has been working for me. So, and I know it's been working for you, and it's it's trying to make the best possible decision. Like I know outside of wildcard, but making the best possible transfer decision you can make each week, if that makes any sense. And that's through maximum information, waiting until you have all your press conferences, etc., out of the way. So, no, it's it. Be patient and stuff like that. Don't be taking any minus fours. Think so just a last question from Twitter, and then we'll take a couple more from the live chat. We try to take the live chat ones in between the Twitter ones where they're related because it seems like everyone's talking away amongst themselves about the same topics that we're talking about. Um, so just in this last one from Rajvir Red Falcon underscore 30 on Twitter, in which future game weeks can one go against the Salah captain, if any? So I just feel like it came in at such a timely moment compared to like everything we've just discussed. I don't at the moment, I wouldn't think about any game weeks they back against them. Like, I know maybe when Spurs play Norwich, I think that could maybe be an opportunity, but I would need to check a fixtures to see who Salah plays that particular week. So, at the minute, it's just not something I'm thinking about, do I need no, reason I, to back against them. I need reason to back against them, and at the minute, I don't, I don't see one. That's good news. Um, we've just also got news from Ram and Nathan about the Chelsea boys, so... I think there has been news from Simon Johnson on Twitter that Christensen and Aspie, there's some good news on them. Aspie's got a chance. Christensen is back in training Thursday. So that that's some good news there, I think, for Chelsea holders who are panicking. Um, Anthony Chung, he, he talks a little bit more about DACA because this was a Twitter question. I thought we'd start with Anthony's question. And mm-hmm. while we're answering it, if anyone's got any questions on the live stream that they want answered in the next five minutes from me and Hibbo, like, please drop them in the chat. We'll put them up on screen and then uh, we're going to kind of call it a night relatively soon. It is about 11.30 here now in the UK and it is only a Tuesday and I'm going to a wedding tomorrow. Uh, so I'm taking a day off what? work and you'll see some photos of me in a suit yet again. Oh, what? Three-piece? Three <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think I'll wear the waistcoat, but may- maybe, maybe the pinstripe 
Boardwalk Empire or like old Scarface kind of suit comes out. But um, so Anthony Chung, he says, I'm considering Vardy to Ian Nacho if he's out a long time. Dakar is a similar player to Vardy and his long-term replacement, but it does seem Ian Nacho is getting regular starts. Um, so I think if you were in that scenario where you've got Vardy and he was confirmed out for a long time, would that change your opinion on going to a Dakar? Or is it actually that it would be Ian Nacho who would become more appealing to you overall from that long-term injury blow? I think based on the data that we've seen in the Premier League, you know, Daka has obviously done good stuff in the Europa League and he's shown a bit of stuff in the Premier League. But looking at last season in terms of, you know, non-penalty XG for per 90 and stuff, what Buddy and the actual was doing, he would be my option if, if Vardy was out long term. I think he's I think I think he's Leicester's best player, if I'm being totally honest with you. And yeah, we were all shocked that he didn't play more this season, right? So we looked last season and they got bit by Chelsea. They were one down to Chelsea and they, they dropped Nacho for that game and they came off the bench and they scored nearly straight away. And I was you know, I d I don't really know what Rogers is doing with him, if I'm being totally honest, but I don't know if he's yeah, a problem in the trainer crazy, or what. Um, so we've got another one actually from Tolu Olawumi, so Jimenez or Huang. Um, I've heard this discussed a lot on Twitter this week. Um, personally, I think Huang can match Jimenez point for point at the moment and they'll be giving each other assists. So Jimenez could potentially be creating for Huang as well. So I would just save that money and use it elsewhere if there's a nice upgrade. Like if you can get from like a Ben Rama or a Saar to a Foden and that would be the cost, you know, Huang or Jimenez, I think I would definitely go that way. And if you've got like a Treore, Saab, and Rama, Gray, maybe even. There's a lot of players you might want to move on from in mid. And with the increased prices of kind of Mount and Foden, like you're going to need to free up that money somewhere. So I would go Huang personally. I mean, if you've already got Jimenez, like I wouldn't sell him. So yeah, I would keep him for a few more weeks. I think that's my thinking. I'll let you answer the one from uh, Geronimo Selly. So it's about Pinnock and probabilities of playing. Because obviously he was subbed off with like a knock or an injury and I think there was a quote about uh, Mabuemo. It was like a slight hamstring issue. So I know I wasn't looking optimistic for Mabuemo, but did we have anything on Pinnock in the latest quotes from the manager? Just let me scroll back. Like, if you want to go down, like, hold on here. He's yeah, saying, the next question. Just, I, I shared an update yesterday on my Twitter. So it was basically Buemo and Panic will be out now. I think this was for the Carabao Cup. Now, in terms of. Doesn't have anything there about return to play. It's basically saying that Brian's a minor hamstring injury. We took him off in the early stages, but it doesn't. It's basically saying it's too early to say at the moment for for the weekend. So that's that's the last information we have. Fair play. So just on that, he's also asked about Aspie playing, but I think that Simon Johnson news that's come out recently um, from Raman Nathan on Twitter as well. So that sounds like it's quite optimistic for Aspie. I think. Um, there's a few more couple questions just to get through. So Tony again is back. So they're asking um Chilwell or Foden. Um I I would go Foden. I've already done that move on Saturday, but I'm biased and it depends on your team. Like if I could play free playing defenders and field eleven players, I'd pretty much almost never get the defender, especially if I have to spend more money to upgrade to Chilwell. Um and you're you know, if you had Alonso, maybe I'd understand wanting to get rid of him for a Chilwell. But I would be looking to move on f- up to Foden because he- he's someone I'm really excited about. Um, so Hudafi or Hudarafi, Hudafi, we're going to find out in this MP4 once and for all. Um, what is your view on the Palace defence and Redmond as a punt? wouldn't touch Palace defence and I wouldn't punt Redmond either. I know someone who who got the assist, Tom. He obviously has Gator in goal and it's like his biggest regret of his season. Um, well, there was also the Havertz captaincy tanked 
him and many other fellow content creators, but I think he's probably more pissed off about uh, Keita and Cole than even the Havertz issue. So I wouldn't look at it. Um, Redmond, I don't like the look at that just because there's so many strikers at Southampton and mm-hmm. already we're seeing like uncertainty around starts. And I know Redmond's normally considered one of the nailed players, but there's just so many players there. And I think the points are spread amongst them. And apart from Broha, who's much cheaper and plays a different position, I don't think I'd be interested. We do a wee question for Gavino here. Oh, sorry. Oh, John. sorry. Oh, oh sorry, sorry. sorry. This one. Uh, so he's basically saying Salamani double up. Home three in our next four. What, what do you think of that? I did it in my fan team wildcard, actually, for my season-long entry. Um, I bought in Mane and proceeded to get one point. So a slap in the face. But um, long-term, I think that could work. And he's a lot cheaper. I think he's like two, three mil cheaper in fan team than Salah. So mm. it makes that punt a bit more feasible. Um, in FPL, I can't imagine I'd be going for both personally. Um, no. I, I just don't see that value for me personally. I'd rather just go for Jota um, and accept that kind of rotation personally. Tom Stevenson's following up here. He's saying past defensive stats do look okay now. Like, granted, right? But like my issue, and I, I spoke about this about Brentford last week and people were kind of bagging up the Brentford defenders. Now, I just don't see how I could fit them under my team, if you know what I mean, because like at the minute I've got kind of Cancelo. And I, I think it's important to address that because I don't want to always walk around the place saying, oh, this player's a good pick and that player's a good pick and then like, not actually own them on my side. So at the minute I have Diaz, Cancelo... I've got Reese James, I've got Lavaramento, and I've got somebody else, Cancelo or something like that. But um, I couldn't see myself buying a Palace defender, is what I'm saying. I couldn't see myself buying a Brentford defender. Like at the moment, I'm struggling to give Lavaramento game time. So I don't see how I could then buy like one of these guys because I wouldn't play them. Like, you know, like the best option for me would be if I was going to do some kind of downgrade, would be like Mankilo and just park him third sub. But, yeah, like yeah. I don't want Gay to. I could have Mitchell, you know, like, but it's just like I'm not going to play these guys. I I want to play Livramento. He's my priority. I've got Ben White who I don't play. I I'm not going to use like a transfer a free one anyway on like White to anyone, like to anyone. Mm-hmm. Like like I just wouldn't. Like I might do White to Chilwell if I wanted to play that formation and change positions and move money around, but I wouldn't sell White to another shit defender. White to Tyreek Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, like it's just like that transfer. <laughs> like, like, like that's that's burning transfer territory where they might as well give me the Hall of Fame trophy for burning a transfer. Um, it's not something yeah. I've ever done. You're uh, trending on whole contributors, you know, like you know, you're yeah. I was first for eight fucking game weeks, and then this week when I get my first green arrow after three red arrows in a row, and now I'm like third, and I think second has that one, it's one point ahead of me, first has two points ahead of me. All that rank gain is gone, but it's just so ironic the week I finally get a green arrow and that contributes league is so competitive that I drop rank in that league, but I actually got my first green arrow in a month. So that that's just nuts. Um, FPL Penguin, he makes a, a comment about Cornet, which I think he's a player yeah. that I'd actually noticed before he came to this league. And I think it's quite an exciting pick. Um, he's playing Brentford um, next game, right? So what I think do you it's disappointing. I think it's disappointing that he's a midfielder. Because I think at Leon or whoever he was at before, he maybe played kind of like a left back. So um, I don't yeah, know. Like, did, yeah. I don't know if I would buy a Burnley player at his price point and midfield, if you know what I mean. If he had been cheaper and a defender, like I maybe would have considered him. But it could be a nice differential for somebody that wants to play them kind of fixtures. Like, um, yeah, I think it could work. Um, what do you think? Just this question as well. We've got one from I think Sam Whitworth about best replacement for Big Rom. Lukaku. 
I would probably go to it. depends who's forwards are. I'm assuming he's got Antonio. I would drop the Tony if he doesn't have Tony, if I'm being honest with you, apart from that. Slim pickings, right? Because you've got kind of slim, the Jimenez slim. or Huang or Eduard or Puki or there Broha. Are, like, there are options, but none of them scream out as like, this move is going to change your season. Like, it's no. just going to tick along. Let's see. We've got a few final questions in here before we go. I have gone on a bit longer than I said I would. So, no, it's been with, good. With Raya out, is Brentford one to target? Um, Possibly. It's interesting to see. Yeah, possibly. It's interesting to see. I think their sub keeper, it depends on um, how good he is at playing out with his feet as well, because I think that's going to change Brentford's style of play potential. Is one to keep an eye out on. Um, I'm really annoyed. Gabriel's, Gabriel's back on these tactics, and I think like that's maybe something he's maybe going to cover. And I don't think oh, he's doing yeah. the next matchup shows, but like some some stage in the future, like because as you say, like so much of their games, Bolton like has feet and how useful he is, like and. I don't know. Like yeah, yeah, I think Sonaldo is going to go on with Mariner this week while Gabriel's celebrating. Um, he's going out of the city. He's going to a different state, I believe. Uh, very good. Sonaldo, he was snapped up by the scout. About a, I saw that, get, yeah. Congratulations to the Enablers show, guys. They'll get the champagne out on Thursday. They'll definitely have to celebrate. Um, Sonaldo, I look forward to when we do a stream with him too. Um I've already asked him for an initiation video in our little circle group, so he doesn't know that I'm just trolling him. <laughs> so I hope he sends me a one-minute karaoke clip. Um, I tried to get people with that. When I joined the wine clique, um, they said to me, you've got to send a one-minute video of you singing Red, Red Wine. And for a while, I was like, did Lim do this? Did Hindu Monkey do this? I was like, I was asking people around. I was like DMing them, like, did you send the video? I'm like, can I see yours for inspiration? And, and no one would send me this video. And I was like, no, nah, they're chatting shit. Like, I'm not doing this initiation, so hopefully Sonaldo does send the video though, and we can play it on net that hole. Do you want to hear a true story? At one point, like I, I was maybe like 18 or 19, I worked as like a door to door salesman, right? And uh, <laughs> part of the part of the initiation was they made you sing a song in a, in a room full of people, and I sang like Prince La Ore Corvette in front of about 40 people. I can't even sing; like, I don't have a note in my head. So I don't, I don't really know how I managed that. I think Nima looks as if he's frozen. I lost. Yeah, I lost you the part where you said the name of what you say. Prance, do you know Prance oh. La Ore Corvette? I, I don't have a note in my head. And I, I had to stand up in front of a room full of about 40 people and sing this. I, I would never do something like that now. Like, you know, was... That's so good. Um, I guess you see the football players do it as well, right? That's. I think that was the kind of inspiration for it, like, you know. Um, maybe some night we do the international break if I have a few games all day. Oh, we've got Sam's giving a follow-up, by the way. So he said he could do Huang or Broha to free up those funds and then that would give him money to upgrade Christensen for another Chelsea player or Trent or even move that money into midfield with Sun. So I think that sounds like a plan. That that could definitely uh, work. Huang, yeah, maybe. So. Yeah, I think I prefer would... Huang just as it stands. The jury's out in Bruja, like we don't re- we don't really know like you know like how nailed he is. Is it feels the price point more than anything? He's another he's another one of these Chelsea boys that they seem to be everywhere, like just taking over the world, like evil world conquest. Um 33 players on loan or something, the most of any club in the world. Um it's incredible what you can do when you can have a squad like that. Um mm-hmm. so just um what do you think about Wilson? So obviously Gavinio's mentioned him as well and He's someone who I have my eye on. So I mentioned kind of Wilson and Edouard as enablers that I would use to get a son if I was going to downgrade Vardy. 
what what do you think of those guys? Uh, Wilson, I think I prefer obviously to Edward because I imagine Wilson is he's pretty talismanic. I think he's been involved in something like eighty percent of Newcastle's goals when he's been on the pitch. So he's goal, the kind of player I want a piece of. Goal percentage involvement for Newcastle is about a red herring stat, I think, because they don't they, <laughs> no, because, in, yeah. because they don't score enough goals. Like you know, so like <laughs> like you do see this stat where they say eighty percent. You'd be like eighty percent of what? Like you know, it's four goals. Eighty percent of four goals, exactly. But ah, Wilson's class. I would agree. I would agree with Tom St- Stevenson. He is decent, but at the minute, I would want to see what Newcastle are going to do in terms of new management. Do you know? Where are they going to go? Like, if they get somebody kind of exciting, then will these fixtures kind of turn a wee bit for them? It might not trust me. Yeah, no, no, that's fair play. I think I, I, I've got a few weeks to decide. Like, um, if Vardy's out this week, having heard Rafinha might start, I really feel confident on this starting Divermento ahead of Vardy if Vardy's out and then buying myself another week. Um, I'm sure Vardy's here, though. Like, he's going to play. He's going to score against Arsenal. He's going to do it. It's definitely going to happen and it'll probably end 1-1 and if we're lucky, Arsenal might win 2-1. But that's kind of my predictions for anyone who wants to know. But um, it's a shame it's an away game because there's been so many home games on the trot and I've been going to a lot of them and I'm going to have to take a little break now. I think my next game will be a month tomorrow, so 27th of November, Great. home to Newcastle. So I need to get the tickets at 10am when they release. Um, it's a 12.30 Saturday kickoff, opening up the Premier League against Newcastle. Let's see who I have in my team, whether I've got a rogue Oba still there or like a Saka. Um, let's see like, what a rogue uh, Arsenal asset I can find. I'm talking about them like they're Pokemons or something. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll let it go. Um, there will be a net that whole karaoke special where Mariner's going to sing We Are Sailing by Rod Stewart. So I, I love that song. I'll join you, Mariner. Um, I've actually, guys, just in case I'm wondering, like hit me up with feedback at the end of the show or Twitter. Um, I'm looking like, obviously I do a lot of these meetups, but I've been looking at FPL karaoke in London and I, I haven't really tweeted it out in months because I thought like surely no one would come. And then I thought to myself, there's a few lads, like if Ronald was here, like so FPL pig, if when he visits for hopefully like in the next fest in January, if he can make it while he's here from the Netherlands, that will be the right time to do FPL karaoke. Get him, get me, get a few Londoners who want to come and sing and go get smashed like a Korean lucky voice kind of bar and just drink the night away um, and we'll send some clips to twitter when that happens so on that note i will get us out of here um thank you everyone who's been here we are net that hall if you enjoyed the show please do hit that like hit subscribe and leave a rating in the apple podcast store um i don't know if there's anything you want to say hibbo i just want to shout out your eight green arrows in a row so guys if you've not seen it go to hibbo's twitter give him a retweet make him go viral He's going to be top 1K in two weeks if he keeps up these green arrows at this pace. But other than that, it's been a great week. But Hibbo, anything you want to say just as we walk you through the hall with the throne? No, no, it's been a, it's been a good stream. Looking forward to it. And hopefully we'll make a transfer closer to Friday. Hopefully make a nine green arrows. That's a plan. Nine green arrows. If you can get to nine or ten, I think you're going to go viral. So... Let's get you there. In the meantime, I might do. Guys, I might do like a ten green arrow stand on the wall, like in a ten green bottle. So we might do something like that. I might put it on your mug, like um, get it notched onto the mug where it gets engraved each season for the ranks. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's right, go. Guys. Yeah, nice to see everyone. And as we go out, I'm just going to play the "What are you waiting for?" So for our strategic partnership for AllAboutFPL.com. So this is obviously a Mariner's famous last words. Are you craving more FPL content? 
then look no further than allaboutfpl.com. Head over there for weekly articles from some of the top content creators on the planet. So what are you waiting for? Head over to allaboutfpl.com, the website for all your FPL needs.